planet like we landed on the moon. Nothing been the same since. Uh, Not at the line like shine bright. We in our prime at the time of our life. We on the night. been a wee while since we've done this but welcome to the first episode of making an impact of 2021 and we've left it quite a lot while so there's plenty to still to talk about yeah uh, Scott McLeod here joined as always my co-host Paul Brown Paul are you, are you looking forward to getting back into talking about impact I'm looking forward to it I always look forward to talking about impact as do I you know uh, obviously the end of 2020 had a final resolution final big special of that year and then obviously they've kicked off 2021 hot because a week before Hard to Kill which is uh, well today as you're listening to this if I've gotten up in time uh, we had Genesis and uh, Impact Plus special mainly focused around the return of the Super X Cup with a couple of uh, other matches thrown in there which we'll talk about when we get there but we're basically going to start from Final Resolution break down the matches there and then make our way along there. We're going to cover Hard to Kill in a couple of weeks in a separate episode that should be very interesting cool but uh, Paul we were talking about it a wee bit before we came on we'll, we'll talk, be talking about Genesis later on but I think I preferred Genesis to Final Resolution I mean, that partly, part of that could mean that I watched most of Genesis uh, today before recording so it's fresher in my mind and I just finished that's, like finishing my notes Genesis was the better show. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that Final Resolution was a bad show. I especially think the final two matches of Final Resolution helped like finish it on a high. But like, for the most part, I was slightly, I don't want to say underwhelmed, but I just, I wanted more. I'll just say that. I get you on that one. It was just, it seemed a little, it did seem a little underwhelming. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's the right word to use because, I mean, Impact, for the most part, in the past couple of months has been top quality, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The storylines have been solid, the, the character development has been solid, the feuds have been solid, it's been a solid fucking show. Mm-hmm. But, you know? I part, I'm, I'm partly to blame for us, like, taking so long between episodes of uh, Making Impact, because we did that kind of bumper episode where around about the time when Kenny Omega arrived... Oh, yeah, and Impact the first yeah. time and how big of a story it was and also that was the go-home for Final Resolution so we did a bit of a preview there but like for yeah. most of December my scheduling was to shit and because yeah. I, I was dealing with a lot of other things at the time and also for the start of this year uh, I was taking part in a Star Wars charity gauntlet that my friend Dave Campbell organised it's on YouTube if you guys want to check out we were aiming to raise like f- I didn't win sadly but like I was watching a lot of Star Wars related stuff at the start of the year, so I kind of fell behind with Impact and I had to catch up. Yeah, I would have sucked at that because I know shit all about Star Wars. Really, <laughs> I did. I didn't do as well as I hoped I would, but like it was all about charity, you know. I mean, like the goal was yeah. Our, our goal was like four hundred quid two days for like children first time managed to reach just over five hundred. So, and what, what was your charity? It was a uh, children first. Ah, oh, good choice. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Well, one of the guys we know on uh, ESSR, Gad, he works for the charity, so it was easy to set that up, and it was a, it was a worthwhile cause. Yeah. 
Uh, but anyway, so I'm done with the Star Wars for now and we're back watching Impact and we'll start with Final Resolution and how else do you kick off your final special of the year but with a match that has a man's freedom on the line as we have Tommy Dreamer taking on Larry D uh, and if Larry D lost this old school rules match he would have to go to jail as he's been accused or basically admitted as Lawrence D that he shot Johnny Bravo out of jealousy because he's, yeah. he wanted to be with Rosemary and it was during the trial of Johnny Swinger because they thought Johnny Swinger had killed him or attempted to kill him. Well, I, I can just say right from the start, I thought the whole the whole scenario, whilst it was funny as hell, did get a bit stupid and end up, you know. Mm-hmm. I did think it was a shame. And, shame they wasted quite a lot. They spent a lot of time building up to the win of Rosemary and Joy Bravo and like all of WrestleHouse was centred around them two admitting how they fell about each other and then Rosemary admits during the trial that she never actually loved Johnny Bravo which is kind yeah. of a waste I think uh, and, and, and uh, but then we had, what else did we have on that one because the, the Dream Mom Larry D match was what you'd expect you know like, yeah like I think with Dreamer you expect like this kind of match you know weapons based and that it had some okay spots like you had Larry D with his big like weightlifting belt it got used against him and he got whipped away it there was a spot where I think Dreamer was going in. It was sent into the corner. It was meant to like stop and then like send Larry D face first in the chair, but the chair kind of slipped. So Dreamer, you could tell, improvised, grabbed it, and then just hit him in the gut with it. So did not like mess up yeah. the spot, which was smart of him. But Larry, Larry D has been claiming that I was set up. I was set up. So I think they're implying that someone sprayed that same thing that uh, Rosemary used to turn into Lawrence D and basically used him as a patsy to, to shoot Johnny Bravo for them. Uh, but we don't know who. And I know this is a weird sense. I never thought I'd say this about a wrestling match. But, like, I get why I like the setup to this, but watching the match, it didn't feel like a match where, uh, like you were fighting for somebody's freedom. It just felt like a match. It didn't suit the, the, the stipulation. Yeah, it didn't really suit the stipulation. Maybe the fact that a match with that kind of stakes in front of no crowd and like two guys who, to be fair, they do move fairly slow. Uh, a lot of moves better than Dreamer. Yeah, but like, they're not the quickest of guys and the match felt kind of plodding in places, so it wasn't exactly a, a hot start to the show. No, it was not. It was mm-hmm. not. Yeah, but well, long story short, you know, Easter Merrill tries to help out Larry D, Johnny Bravo does get involved. He manages to avoid AC, so AC ends up sending himself through a table. And you have Larry D and you have Larry D head button uh, Johnny Bravo. I think bringing Johnny Bravo back before the actual conclusion of the storyline, I think it was a mistake. Should have kept him off TV. Make, I think for all intents and purposes, he, he's near death, and then bring him back because yeah. like cause he really adds nothing to it, even though it's about who tried to kill him. And then uh, yeah, it was your typical, it was your typical long played out storyline with a very, very long finish. Yeah, and because I think I was, I was quite excited to win this storyline. I mean, even though there are some people who can't turn it, knows the idea of a somebody getting shot. And, and you made the fine point, like, is this any stupider than Rikishi saying, "I did it for the rock"? Yeah, uh, or need need we mention Mark Henry and Lahand? Or like. Like uh, draws trying to push Hawk off a Titan Tron, like yeah. remember that shit. But like, yeah. I remember that. So Larry D looks like he's I got know, the match. I, I like draws, so I did. I know you did, but 
Larry did look like he had the match in hand. Then Dreamer used a, a candlestick to like low blow him, hits his DDT, and Larry D willingly, because he accepted the stipulation, just goes off uh, with him. He gets handcuffed yeah. by Detective Dreamer, and uh, we have AC basically on the case trying to prove Larry's innocence. He's been like, <laughs> he's done like they could smell like the ring rust being sprayed when the lights went out, but they didn't see who did it. It's like, who do we go to? Who has the best sense of smell? A blind man. So he goes to Crazy Steve to help him. And then it leads to Johnny asking Johnny Swinger. And then Johnny Swinger is now implying that a woman is involved in this. So maybe this will lead him to Taya Valkyrie or Rosemary getting involved again in the story. I don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, I know, like, I think I'm hoping that Heart to Kill is where the, the actual storyline is concluded. Again, because I've said before, it's called Hard to Kill and a guy... They literally tried to kill a man, but also because I think that they they did all they could with the storyline, and it's getting to the point where you're like, "Yeah, this is getting a bit played out." <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, moving on from from that match, the I don't have a lot to say about this next match either. We have Havoc and Nevea taking on the Sea Stars, who are a new team. They lost in the first round of the Knockouts Tag Tournament to Tasha Steels and Kiara Hogan. And well, that match was better than this one here because that there was wasn't. I'm not saying it was there were any noteworthy botches, but there were these teams definitely didn't mesh for me. Can I can I just quickly sum up this match so we can move on because it was piss poor, to be honest with you. Yeah, and like I like Havoc, right? I've got nothing against Havoc. I think she looks cool. She's a big, big woman, big, powerful fucking chick, right? But my God, she moves like AC Romero at times. Uh, uh, my, my issue was, she's, so, she's so cumbersome and so plodding. And like, my was more with Nevea because like they did the their finisher with the kind of wheelbarrow into the car, which is a good looking like tag move to have. But like yeah. when when Avic had, I can't remember which member of the Sea Stars it was that she had in position for it. But like when Nevea was running to set up the cutter. She was running like she was running through quicksand, the way she did to yeah. set up the cutter, and it didn't look right. I mean, I'm, I would, I would like to see more of the Sea Stars because I like the fact having more talent added to the division. If you're gonna have an actual tag division, you need actual established teams, and by all accounts, these two are an established you team. You need from, talent, but I don't really think the Sea Stars are what talent is. Yeah, but at least you need that. But for now, you need actual numbers while you. Like try and recruit them because it's not really easy to get new people into the company at the minute, given everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean the one thing I do like about the Sea Stars is their entrance because also the sea aspect of it. They kind of do a thing where they have a like, imaginary fishing rod and they're kind of reel in the cameraman. I actually like that, but their entrance, like wrestlers with their own like distinct entrance. Yeah, yeah. We'll have more on the. I'm not. Sold, I'm not sold on them. I mean the fact that. Havoc and Nevea have advanced in the tag tournament and these two haven't immediately tell you how this was going to go so we'll move on, There'll be, I'll talk more about the tag tournament uh, a little bit later on but we had another tag match and this one was slightly better, this is where the kind of quality of the show kind of improved a little bit in my opinion, we had Eddie Edwards teaming up with Alicia in a mixed tag team match against Tennille Dashwood and Caleb with a K and while, yeah. and while I like to pick what Caleb wore here is he basically wore the same gear he always wears, he just happened to have knee pads on that was all. Yeah. And I do like, he's a, he is a wrestler, he's been around for a while, I'm pretty sure, like I said, he's pretty much suicide, I'm pretty sure he's the one under the suicide mask now. So he is a good yeah. wrestler. 
And I always think it's impressive when someone who you know is good at wrestling plays a character who's not meant to be good at wrestling, so a good wrestler pretends to be shit at wrestling. Yeah. I think that's always a skill, you know. You have uh, Tenille... Yeah, be- you have Tenille basically not wanting to get tagged in, so she basically just lets Caleb get beat up by Eddie Edwards, and uh, he does start making offence when Tenille basically distracts Eddie Edwards by throwing a t-shirt at him, allowing Caleb to kind of sweep the leg. Uh, but... Because also he's not meant, and in kayfabe, he's not actually meant to be a wrestler, he's a photographer. He he sells every yeah. move like he's just been shot, like he, like when he takes shots from Eddie Edwards and his chest is already, he's like just selling it, he's in pain. And there's also, I've laughed, I was pushing myself at this point, uh, Eddie Edwards teases he's going to hit uh, Tenille, and he just does this over the top, just diving, no, and dives in front of her, and everyone just looks like, what is this guy all about? Do you have any thoughts about this match? Not particularly, no. Mm. It was a serviceable match, but you knew obviously Eddie had bigger things with, with Sammy Calla, and, and that ended up playing into the finish of the match because Alicia and, and Eddie seemed to have things in hand when obviously Sammy's like, lights effects started messing with yeah. the, the arena, and they also they're looking around where Sammy allows to kneel together through Alicia off the top rope, and it hits her running like knee to the side of the head for the win. So the heels win... And Sammy, after the match, attacks Eddie with a baseball bat. See, that, that's good. Yeah. Well, that was good. What, Sammy getting involved there? Yeah, Sammy getting involved in hitting Eddie Edwards. I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah. And when it comes to their match, I'd like to see Sammy kick his ass. Alright. Well, you got something against Sammy, Eddie Edwards? Sammy's my go-to heel at the moment. No, no. I think the main reason this this feud is kind of in setup is like they had Ken Shamrock got his world title shot uh, a couple of weeks ago against Rich Swan and then I was late, but he lost. And then after the match, he was attacking officials and all that. So in KV, they've suspended him. And so while he's away, uh, Sammy basically started up this thing with Eddie Edwards again. Shamrock did return, I believe, the, the show before Genesis to help like lure Eddie into a trap so they could just yeah. beat him down again. But. He's not really a fatter, it's more so about Sammy and, and Eddie Edwards again. Yeah. I did like that before Genesis, you know, when he went and wheeled Eddie into that trap and he got fucking strapped to the fence with a barbed wire and smack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I, was, I was kind of sitting there going, aye, that's what you deserve, you dick. <laughs> what were you going to say, Edwards? I just don't like the cut of the guy, you know. Fair enough, you know. Uh, we have the, on the show after Final Resolution, they have a one-on-one match between Alicia and Tenille, uh, and basically the same thing happens again, where Sammy's thing happens, costing Alicia the match, and then he appears on the screen like, oh, like you're looking around, where am I going to come from? Am I under the ring? Am I through the crowd? Uh, and he basically, we, this was basically said this because Impact was taking a two-week break to do like a best-of two-part thing and some end-of-year awards, where he says like, Go home, enjoy your Christmas, and it, because it may be your last. And they set up a match between the two on the the fifth of January, the first uh, show of twenty twenty one. Which then it yeah. wasn't really a match; it was more of a brawl. Which eventually the bell finally rang after like ten minutes of brawling, and the two kept shoving the referee. And the referee says, "I've had enough of this," and just threw the match out uh, and just storms off. The referee's uh, like, "I can't be dealing with your shit." Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> and then they brawled again, and then Sammy did his whole <laughs> effects thing. When it looked like Eddie had him where he wanted him with a bat, and then he showed like CCTV thing of 
Alicia being like kept backstage, like in some sort of cage. And when Eddie went to see her, he got jumped by Shamrock. And then they did the thing where they tied him with the thing with barbed wire, which is setting up that uh, at Hard to Kill, it's going to be a barbed wire massacre match between Eddie Edwards. That's going to be bitching. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm interested. That's going to be bitching. I have a feeling there's going to be a cinematic match on the show, so I'm a feeling that this match may happen before that, because also if they're in the barbed wire massacre match when they did before, they've replaced the ropes with barbed wire, which also has to take some setup. So you got to think they'd do that and also give them time to sit to take them down and put the ropes back up. They'll cut to the cinematic match, so hopefully buy them sometime because it's a live yeah. pay-per-view. If it was tape, no, it's not a tape show they could do with the one, but obviously because it's going to be live. Yeah, but it'll be. I think it'll be cool. Yeah, definitely. I look forward to it. It's uh, because I think some people will be tuned. Can we also talk about someone else who's impressed me recently on Impact? Eh, uh, who? Crazy Steve. All right. I was gonna say we've got a point where I get to Crazy when we come to around about uh, just before Genesis. So if you can, if you hold off till then. I can hold off until then. I'll, I'll wax lyrical about the man then. Oh well, I will give you your platform to to talk about such thing. Cool. Because you can't you can't say anything but positives about Crazy Steve, man. You know, I mean, no, when you know what you we now know about just how blind he actually is, when you see some of the things he's able to pull off, it's just all that more impressive. Well, do you know what I had? A, I went and mentioned my thoughts on that to Brian. Mm-hmm. I would assume, right, that Crazy Steve's matches are the most meticulously fucking planned out things on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, because if his eyesight is as awful as we say, mm-hmm. for him to pull off some of the moves and spots he pulls off in a match, it's just, it's quite incredible, you know? Yeah, I mean, we do a little bit of that article that came out when um, basically going into detail about the, his condition. I think he said that like, he's had partially blind for most of his life, but then obviously over the years, like, his glaucoma's gotten so bad that he's now legally blind, but he can make out, he can make up, like, certain, like, shapes, so I think that helps him in the ring. But also, I think if he, if he started wrestling before he was completely blind, then obviously he would have worked it away that would help him, so he's obviously just going off of that. But yeah, I imagine that they plan out certain spots or maybe wrestlers make certain noises to let them know where the bits they are in the ring so they can set up the next bit. Yeah, but the way the way he puts his sail about in the ring, you wouldn't fucking tell, you know? Oh, so you've got the referee there, so... And also if he's hearing the wrestlers moving about, you got to think his hearing's a lot better, obviously, as he's blind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... The, guy, the guy's just a wonder, man, you know? Definitely. but he's just, And his entrance is cool as fuck. We <laughs> uh, move on to the next match. I thought this was quite uh, an entertaining match for what it was. Uh, we had Hernandez taking on Falaba with uh, Tasha Steeles as the special guest ring announcer and Keir Hogan as the guest referee. And basically yeah. the idea was like, uh, Steels and Hogan have taken the the water cash. They stole it from Falaba, and obviously it was originally Hernandez in the first place. So it's basically the match. The only problem is like we'll give back the money to whoever wins this match. Uh, Tasha Steels on as ring announcer basically announces Hernandez has been hailing from the cookoff. Uh, he thinks he's tough because he wears Chuck Taylors, and he says that it was about Falaba. He thinks he's a panda, but he dresses like Wendy the Pooh. 
And I do love uh, Fallon's facial question. He's like, really? Like, was that necessary? <laughs> and there's not really... I think you can't really talk about a lot about the spots in the match because really it's about Hogan and Steels because they basically distract from everything intentionally because obviously their heels that you have Tasha getting up on the apron to announce that five minutes have passed in the match because she's playing timekeeper as well for some reason. And then yeah. you've got Kira Hogan basically making a count which counts one, shakes her arse, counts two, shakes her arse. And then before three, that gives a little, it's given her nana's little enough time to kind of kick out and... Also, that gets Falba gets in her face, and basically Hernandez wins after a splash, but then Tasha steals that like, like I, I don't have the money, like seriously, I don't have the money. She acts like she doesn't know what's happened, and yeah. basically Hernandez, I think he pulls it a bleed and sends them running. That looked like because he pulled something out and they ran away. Yeah, which is a weirdly dark turn for this type of storyline. Not really. It's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Fine, nobody got hurt. But, like, Tasha, I'm interested to see where this goes between Hogan and Steels because Tasha was like, oh, no, like, I legit, I don't know where the money is. And Kira's like, are you sure you're not, like, just trying to keep it for yourself? And she's like, no, it's fine. I legit don't know. And she showed her the, the fire pack that she had. And, like, literally, I don't know where it is. And then, obviously, Johnny Sawyer came in kind of being himself that chases them away and they leave behind the, the fire pack. And then Johnny Sawyer looks in it and finds a secret compartment in it. And the money's in there, and he's now got it. Yeah. So you gotta think maybe what happens if Hogan finds out that Tasha lied to her? Is that gonna affect their friendship? Especially given that they're gonna they're the favourites. Oh, at least some people think they're the favourites to win the the knockouts tag titles. Well, if I'm honest, I'd rather them win it than than Havoc Nevea. Mm-hmm. I like Havoc Nevea. I think they would be better better champions. I like Havoc and Nevea and I do like get why it's it's come down to these two teams. But also after that match with the Sea Stars, I'm kinda I mean they had a better match in their semi final match against Jazz and Jordan Grace, but I think like I mean they've been going on commentary, like Master Me and Josh Madden have been going on on commentary about how they think these two are the favourites and so it yeah. seems built made for them and I think they've been out of all the like teams they've made in the Rocket Division, these two teams have been together the longest but the idea of these two winning, the fact that they're heels and like they might be annoying heels, so the fact that they can remind you even after long after they've lost them that hey, we were the first knockouts tied champs of the new era of like the modern yeah. time, like so the idea of them giving giving the heels something to brag about. So, Paul, I'm interested to see uh, what your thoughts on this next bit because it involves some people that you're fond of and affects how they're going to have go what's going to happen with them going forward so we had Eric Young taking on Rhino next and a match basically was around Rhino getting revenge for Heath because Joe Doring and Eric Young have been running rough so they took out Heath to further write him off until he's fully recovered from yeah. the injury he suffered at Burn for Glory they've been taking out people like the Deaners and like Cody Deaner seem to be having this like attitude change the idea of like I, Eric Young called me a nobody I'm not a nobody he was getting serious and he had a match with Eric Young on uh, the Go Home Impact before Final Resolution, yeah. so I thought, oh, as I mentioned, a more serious Dean I wonder where that's going to go. But, uh, then we get this match, uh, Rhino... Rhino serious hits... Deans. Hmm? No. What did you say? I'm saying you, you probably thought, as I did, that it was going to lead to a more serious Deaners as opposed to Dean you know? Yeah, I thought it was going to be like... 
also the idea of like cousin Jake, I don't know, Cody Diener being like keep saying cousin Jake, like I need to do this on my own and all that, and them getting their own bit of individuality as well as them being a really good tag team. But yeah. then we get this match. It's a decent match between Rhino and Eric Young. Eric Young hits a a Kurt Angle s insult. I say that because they're yeah. both bald and this insult missed, much like most of Kurt Angle's insults. Uh. <laughs> I'm also thinking like. Has anyone ever hit a minsel that's missed more times in the history of wrestling than Kurt Angle? Yeah, Kurt Angle, see when he still had hair? Mm-hmm. He hit them a few times then. I think it's fair enough that he did miss half the time, because I'm pretty sure Bob Pauly, something that went wrong in 2000 when he had hair and he hit a minsel one of the first times he did it, because they ended up breaking Bob Pauly's arm. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know what, I don't know what happened there. I think, I don't know. Not no, pretty much. I mean, one breakage did manage to get him a WWE title program and he came back, so you know, silver linings. Yeah, is that the one when he got his neck broke? Yeah, I mean, I, I think most of us would probably wish that we didn't have to break our necks in order to get a WWE title shot, but you know, when you can't, beggars can't be choosers sometimes. Yeah, although getting a shot seems a little half-hearted. He could have at least had a little run with it. I know, I think I'm pretty sure Bruce Bridges said one time that Bovoli once said, I don't know if he's sitting in the pistol or if he actually said it, but he's like, uh, just give me the belt and I'll beat the fuck out of everybody. There's your ratings to solve. <laughs> or at least he does claim, Bovoli did claim in his autobiography that uh, in 2007 he was meant to be McMahon's representative instead of Umaga and claimed that at one point he was promised a brief run with the ECW title. Oh well. He got the hardcore title a few times in the tag belt a few times, so... Yeah. So, but anyway, we're not here to talk about hardcore Holly, but... <laughs> Is he ever an IC champion? No, I did say there was like that phantom title change where like, he beat, uh, he beat uh, Jeff Jarrett, but then the decision was reversed. Ah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, never... I'm pretty sure he had a... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think if I'm thinking of him or Crash. I know Crash is European champion, but I'm trying to think... Did he not have a... I'm pretty sure he had, might have had a two-day reign as a European champion back well, in... Well, every chance I had it, he had it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Somebody write me... Answers on a postcard. Did Mark Orley ever actually win the European title if anyone actually cares? I I would care, you know. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about hardcore. We're here to talk about Rhino and Eric Young. But Rhino does hit a, a TKO. There's a ref bump, and you think, oh, there's going to be some shenanigans here because like, Joe Doring hadn't really been that involved. And Joe Doran goes yeah. to get involved, and uh, Rhino kicks the ropes and hits him in the paws. So that kind of takes him out. Eric Young had came to the ring in this kind of half Hannibal Lecter, half mankind esque like leather mask. It was different from his usual like hockey mask yeah. that he usually wears. And he's going to go use it as a weapon because the referee's down. But then out comes the Dino's, and you think, oh, Gory Dino's finally going to get some respect from Eric Young. He's going to hit him with this mask. No, he hits Cousin Jake with it. Yeah, he's standing there and he's like, I'm not a fucking nobody, I'm not a nobody, and then he loses his shit and smacks Cousin Jake. Uh-huh. Whoa, wait. God, when I was sitting watching that, I went, I went, I did talk, I was like, no! <laughs> did you hit Cousin Jake? Why? <laughs> what are you doing? Say it ain't so, Cody, say it ain't so. I was actually wondering, I was, I was hoping to ask what your thoughts were when this happened, your, your reaction at the moment it happened, and... We got it. It's like the broken. I was gonna say it's you're like Ralph Ralph Wiggum. Like if you slow it down, you can actually see the you can pinpoint the exact moment his heart breaks in half. 
Yeah, I was like, what? I was like, no. <laughs> Why are you attacking Cousin Jake? He looks like Beard, man. I know. I mean, I'm uh, wondering about that reference the YouTube guy, Beard Meets Food. Very good. <laughs> so, and I swear to God, if you ever look him up, it looks like Cousin Jake. I will be sure to do that. <laughs> look him up, because he's a funny dude, man. He's a funny dude. Look. Look, Cousin Jake kind of gets hit, he's kind of like laid out on the camera, he's kind of still looking up at Cody Jr. as if to say like, why man? Yeah, the same reason you, thing you were given, like, why man, why have you done this? Yeah, like, what did you do? And then Eric Young kind of smiles, uses the mask on Rhino and gets the win. And, but what's interesting is the vignettes that happened after this on the next episode of Impact where it was kind of that prison where he did the, he shot those vignettes leading up to Burn for Glory, and they basically it's him talking to Cody Junior, and Cody Junior's kind of got these handcuffs on, and he's basically repeating yeah. what Eric Young's saying. The idea of he's maybe brainwashing him, he's bringing him around to the psychotic way of, of Eric Young's thinking, and then when yeah. eventually at the end he, he's freed from it, like the idea of like Cody Junior is free. Yeah, and I loved it. Like like one minute cuffs were on him, mm-hmm. and then we're gone. Yeah. You know, like you're now free, your your mind is free. There was very there was a very creepy moment where you've got like what's going on in the prison, you see Cody uh, Joe Doring kinda of shutting the door of one of the cells while he's inside it, just like fuck me, imagine sharing a cell with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but then fucking like a little while later, I don't know if you've you've seen what Cody looks like. I've now. seen it, yeah. I've seen it, I mean, he's not really Cody anymore, he's actually been billed now as just Dina. He's just Dina? God, he looks odd, man. I know, like, so they had the, the vignettes on the, the, goal, the impact after Final Resolution, then they did the two-week kind of end-of-year thing, and then they came back the first week of, uh, worst week of 2021, where Rhino and Cousin Jay decided to team up, because, like, they both lost tag partners to Joe Dory and Eric Young, and then out comes yeah. Dina with the shaven head. He kind of looks like a weird, almost a younger Eric Young with the shaved head and a bit of a beard you know, idea. Yeah, a bit like Dream- Jamie Noble. I could see that. I could see that, yeah. You know? But he comes out and he's wearing the long, the long black and silver, like, is it spiders or a snake that's on his trunks now or something? I don't really know, but I honestly think some wrestlers... For he's one of the few wrestlers who's went from long hair to now having a sh- uh, kind of a shame. He's, he's not fully bald. He's kind of got a bit of a skinhead. I actually think yeah. that this looks for the look he's going for and this new character that suits him. It makes him look very psychotic with the beard as well. He's like, he's like a young disciple. Man. Yeah, that's pretty much the best way to describe it. And it was meant to be Eric Young and Joe Doran wrestling the tag match, but Eric Young puts Dina in his place and yeah. like cousin Jake. Part of the reason he and Rhino lose is because he's too hesitant to hit, because he's still trying to reason with him even after what's this Try changing to... character. Yeah. So what did I you say? So... Cousin Jake, oh, I fucking love the Dinos. I really <laughs> did. Yeah, I know you did. That's why I was like, oh, I need to know what Paul thinks about this. He'll be heartbroken, so he will. You bitch, Cody. <laughs> why the fuck did you hit Cousin Jake? Oh. Are you are you looking forward to the eventual uh, cousin Jake Dean match that you got things in the horizon? Oh, I'm not. Well, I'm really not. Because I think cousin Jake's going to get hurt. Hmm. 
I'm not really worried about the match. You know, I think you know, I wonder what's going to happen with both guys going for because I think Eric Young and maybe Cody will be like a tag team with Big Joe Doring as their heater. Uh, and you all wonder what the future is for Cousin Jake, though. I mean, I think we... I, ha- I wondered. What do you think the possibility is that they'll try and Cousin Jake into the fold? I think they'll try and bring him in, but eventually he'll, he'll tease he's going to come, but then he'll reject it. And Do you think we get any kind of support push for Cousin Jake? Maybe. I mean, he was, he was part of the Super X Cup, so... And they thought about how the X Division is about no limits, so I think if he, he could find a home in the X Division, possibly. I hope so. I hope it leads to some kind of pitch for him, because like I say, he's a big dude, and he's he's agile as well. I mean, there was a moment on Genesis, I don't mean to get too far, but there was a moment on Genesis where he had a bit of a face-off with a big madman fault, and there's two guys I want to see in a one-on-one match, two, just, two tall bearded bastards just batting each other. There's the tagline for you. <laughs> Genesis law, right? And I'm not that far ahead, but we're going to be talking about it anyway. So, mm-hmm. Madman Fulton, you can you can't really call him Madman Fulton. Now. He looks more like Rody Fulton. <laughs> you know, he came out like Genesis, and he, what was it? Denims and a t-shirt and a bandana. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought, do you know? Do you know what it reminded me of? Mm. Well, I used to go to like, like gigs and, you know, rock bars and shit like that. Uh-huh. It, look, it looks kind of like the guys in there that you would see like behind the bar of DJing, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are people listening to probably being the kind of gigs who are loving you for this kind of reference. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying, because I'm just kind of taking you at your word to be fair. <laughs> it, look, it looks like the kind of guy... In the bar, in the fucking like, like a like a metal club or something. I could see that. I could, I could see him doing that. You know, but uh, and then there was one point during one of the matches, I think, at Genesis, where he lost the bandana. Mm-hmm. And then I went, "Where's Mad Fulton?" You know, because he's he's mad fucking dreadlock braided hair came down. Mm-hmm. And then for the briefest of seconds, he looked like Madman again. You know, mm-hmm. as opposed to just Fulton. Hold on, hold on a moment. I need to tell my dad to. Never mind. He was my dad was fucking playing music out loud, but now he shut the door. Ah, good. Does he not know I'm trying to fucking record a podcast? What was he playing, for chance? I don't know. He, 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 my mom, I've been playing the same music for years. I first, I tried to tune it out. To be honest with you. Do we not listen to anything good? Well, no. I just I think I think the. I think they're kind of people who are just like, here's the bands we liked, and we're sticking with them. But my I, oh. my musical taste kind of very, other than the Killers, they also like the Killers, but other than that, our musical taste very greatly. They sound a lot like me in that regard. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is what I listen to, sticking with it, with it. <laughs> yeah. But, anyway, this is a bit kind of cut out anyway, but we'll move back on to Gen- uh, Final Resolution, shall we? Let's do it, let's do it. We're back to final resolution. But one thing like that... Big match, I think. We're at the, we're at the next... We're on to the next match, and we'll talk a bit more about uh, Diener and Cousin Jake when we get to kind of Genesis, because Jake was in the Express uh, tournament. But... Do you, but 
I just quickly said, you know what me and Brian have taken to calling him on occasion? Which one? Cousin Jake. What? Well, because he looks so much like Beard meets Food. Mm-hmm. We've taken to calling him Cousin Beard. <laughs> I think his Twitter handle is uh, at Jake something. I think Jake something is what he's called himself like before coming to Impact. Do you think, obviously, to separate himself from the Deaners? Once this whole feud's over, do you think he'll go back to just being called Jake something, or do you think he'll keep the name Cousin Jake? Well, Cousin Jake's got a good ring to it, so... Mm-hmm. So, well, me and you, like, we're not ones to brag if we say something and it happens, or if we got something right, are we? Not at all, man, not at all. Not at all, but this may be a rare exception to that rule, because... We're not a horrible braggart or nothing, you know, we, we keep it cool. I'm going to make a little humble uh, brag and a little bit of an I told you so because if you want to rewind, rewind back a, an episode or two of, of of this making impact to go I said that I when TJP lost the match that said he can challenge Rohit for another title shot while Rohit was still champion I said he's going to find a loophole and he's going to come out as Manic his old math persona to get a title shot and then what happens, Rohit brags to TGP the impact before final resolution that he's after he beat Crazy Steve uh, to retain the title, yeah. I'm going to have the final defeat Rohit challenge of 2020 at final resolution. I'm going to fight anybody except you because you've lost your shot. And he comes to me and goes, let's who see who's going to answer the challenge. And out comes Manic. You are very right, man. Very right. Pat yourself. Barry Horowitz yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm par- pat myself on the back as we speak. Yeah. For all, for all, for all you younger wrestling fans that do not know the legend of Barry Horowitz, but he comes out. It's a different look for Manic because before, like originally, when TGP came in, I think I mentioned this in our Impact retrospective, but TGP came in twenty thirteen as the next version of Suicide, and then they changed the name to Manic, so he's just as Suicide, and then they just made him. He had a whole new look, similar to the one that he came when he has now. And then they brought back Suicide as the same guy, but under a different person under the mask. So originally he had kind of a blue and goldish look, but now he's come back in this old black look. I think being a comic book fan, I think he looks very Venom-esque with this new, like darker yeah, version I mean. of the character. Hmm. So he comes out, he comes up behind, he sneaks up from behind, he, he catches Rohit off guard, but Rohit doesn't eventually manage to mount some offense in the match. Uh, Mag gets a dive in DDT and was a point where basically the commentator was saying like this is this was this was a persona of TJP and uh, they do say like well they did say TJP couldn't challenge they didn't say anything about manic and like and Josh Matthews like well, I mean look at those arms those are those are clearly the same tattoos as TJP but they, then they said that well, he's going to want to try and prove it like he tried to prove it suicide that he thought was yeah. TJP like he's going to want to try and rip the mask off yeah and we've mentioned in the past how. He kind of uses underhanded tactics to, to win, like try occasionally he'll nearly like, shove someone into a referee and then use that to his advantage. But he tried to do that again here, and that nearly backfired because he went for a knee, and Manic moved, and then he nearly ran to the ref. So Manic took advantage, rolled up Rohit, and Manic is the new X Division champion. And that is cool. Mm-hmm. That is cool. I think it's cool as well. Uh, I've heard from people I know that rumors that TJP. Not to ruin your impression that you might have of them, but I've had heard rumours that TJP is one of these anti-mask people. Seriously? 
he, he's allegedly a bit of a conspiracy nut uh, behind the scenes. That annoys, that annoys me greatly. That's like when I found out, you know, all the guitarist from Deftones is a flat earther. Yeah, I heard them. That, I mean, that, that makes me as sad as that information, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you both have to be idiots? And I, I joked when Tony was like, where I found it when I found out everything, like, do you think maybe them deciding to make Manic again is part of a joke? Like, oh, you don't like masks, do you? We're going to make you wrestle in one. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> you won't willingly wear one, we'll make you wear one, you dick. And even then, the mask he's wearing doesn't even cover his mouth, which is what it's meant to do. Yeah, I know. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but so Manic wins and TJP is basically denying the fact that he's Manic and he yeah. when confronted about it he's, he acts as if Manic is a completely different person and says oh he and I don't see eye to eye anymore so not only is he an anti-mask conspiracy now he's also a schizophrenic now as well at least he's not Donald Trump yes that, you can say that about a lot of people you know well that, that's their get out clause at least they're not him Mm-hmm. I mean, you think you think it's bad? I heard like fucking a few months ago, Kane was trying to pass a thing against in Knox County while he was mayor about not wearing masks, despite the fact that he wore a mask for much of his career. So, I, I still love Kane. I try not to let that ruin my image of him. Do I do whenever it's someone you like was famous and they do something stupid? Mm. Remove your remove that part of them from them. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean. I mean, it could be worse. You could be a fan of Jimmy Snooker, and he's done way worse things. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll come back to what's that, the future of Ebro Heat and Manic and the X Vision title when we get to the main event because it involves uh, Chris Bay, which which the road the road to uh, Hard to Kill. Something happens in the road that I thought was actually quite clever, but we'll come back to know. that. So, did you say something? Sorry, I was saying, Chris Bay is the coolest thing in the fucking world. <laughs> he is. He is right. Even Rock shouted him out. Hmm? Even The Rock shouted him out. That's cool. Saying that Impact should do everything he can to look after that guy because he's going to be the future. Uh, I uh, I remember watching him in the uh, the Super Jacob the that happened, happened the same day as also this pay-per-view. He, he, he got to the semi-finals of that. Of uh, yeah. that tournament, he looked very good in it. I mean, uh, he lost a ACH, who eventually then came up short to the eventual winner El Fantasmo. Uh, yeah. Also, that tournament featured Blake Christian, who's in this Genesis uh, Super X Cup tournament, and I was I was made a fan of Blake Christian through the Super J Cup, and I was even more of a fan of him when I, through his appearance at Genesis, as we'll discuss. This is the ginger guy, right? Yeah, him who got. I, I, well, I was going to say use a post. Yeah, but we're talking about result. Yeah, him who got to the finals. No, oh, sorry, I'm saying that Blake Christian guy was totally fucking solid in the ring. Mm-hmm, yeah, hundred percent. He was fucking good. Yeah, I was. You know that whole tournament at Genesis. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was not one match during that tournament I was unimpressed with. Not one. Mm-hmm. Well, again, we're jumping a bit ahead. We're still, t- still got a bit of final resolution to go. Uh, talking about tournaments, I'll briefly talk about the Knockouts tag tournament. Also, we mentioned here that it's that hard to kill the finals are going to be Havoc and Navy Heavy, Tasha Steels and uh, Keir Hogan. 
we had uh, the last we had sorry Havoc and Nivea beat Alicia Edwards and Tennille Dashwood uh, in the first round, which then led to their issues, which led to that six point that mixed tag. Uh, also, the three yeah. stars lost to Dasha Steels and Kier Hogan. Uh, Jordan Grace and Jazz got to the semis, defeating uh, the team of Renee Michelle and Killer Kelly. Renee Michelle, the real yeah. life wife of uh, rock star Spuddy K, Drake Maverick. Oh. Mm hmm. There you go. Drake, who cried like a little bitch to keep his job. Yes. And we had. And I think the best of the first round matches, because you didn't know where it was going to go, we had uh, Diona Perazzo and Kimberly versus Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary. Uh, Rosemary pinned Kimberly in the match, and as a result, as a result, Rosemary was given a shot against Diona Perazzo at final resolution for the Knockouts Championship. And also, we aside, uh, they decided to take out Susie once for all with the help of Father Jeans Mitchell. So basically, with the help of the uh, the wedding party or the undead brides or I can't remember what the name of that group was that used to accompany Sue to the ring. They basically Yeah the Undead Brides or whatever the fuck they were, they were they were freaky looking well. Yeah, they basically kidnapped uh Sue Young to try and turn her back into Susie so she wouldn't be a threat. And then this past week on not in the this week's one but the last week's impact, basically we got yet another personality from uh, from Susie. She's now Susan. Yeah. She uh, do you know what I'm I'm more disturbed by this personality than any of the other ones. How so? Because I don't know how the fuck to go with it. She, she basically looks like, if you got called into HR wherever you work, she looks like the person you'd be sent to talk to. She No, she looks like the one you'd go in there to talk to and then you'd see her and you'd go, oh, no, it's her. Oh, no. <laughs> do I, do I have to... She's somebody who motivates you to do well your work. Like, no, no, don't send me to Susan. Anyone but Susan. Send me to Susan, she'll fire me. No! <laughs> Don't make me go, you can't make me. Can't make me talk to Susan. <laughs> Before we completely lose our fucking make, minds. I'll be fine. <laughs> but I like Rosemary and I like Diana Perazzo. But this match. I like Rosemary and I like the in-ring performance of Diana Perazzo. But... Perazzo. This, 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 something fell off about this. And I think it's because it got confirmed so last minute. I think... Yeah. Even though these two are very good wrestlers, I th- it was one of those rare times where I like I feel like I need more of a story for these two. Like These are two of the best in the division. I thought more of a story to lead to this match rather than just, oh, use one in a tag match. Even though Rosemary didn't even pin Diana to get this show. It would have been cool, but if I might, I might add an opinion on this one. Mm-hmm. I think they were playing the long game in this one. Eventually, you knew eventually it was going to come to Taya, right? Yeah. You knew that because, I mean, you can't have Taya be the longest reigning knockouts champion. Mm-hmm. And then like go into the fucking good night and not have another shot or nothing. He knew it was going to come right back around to Taya, and a match between Taya and Diona is going to be fucking fire, man. I mean, I think I thought Rosemary and uh, Taya Valkyrie before this happened, I thought they were kind of an outside bet to actually go all the way in this tournament. I thought that would have been very interesting, like, even though there's I not thought, been. A... Yeah, I think that would have been a really good show to have them as tag champions, but to have Taya v. Diona. Mm hmm. 
And I swear to fuck, if Tyre don't win that shit, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> What's actually talking about them? So I think she's phenomenal in the fucking ring, but if Tyre don't win that shit, heads will roll. Heads will fucking roll if Tyre don't win that shit. Uh, so, let's actually talk about the match itself. Like I said, I wasn't. I struggled to get into it for a reason. It was just one of those times where, on paper, a match that was good, but something, like I said, was lacking for me. But yeah. not to say there wasn't good stuff in it. You know, we had Dora Perazzo hitting a, a flatliner, then she spins around with her legs kind of wrapped around what was to her, a unique-looking submission. I'm sure there's a name for it, but it's, I'm missing it off the top of my head. Call it Dionna's Unique Submission. <laughs> there you go. Uh, she gets yeah. the, the Fujiwara armbar, and uh, Mary manages to get the ropes. Oh, I mentioned on another podcast, like... We are talking about uh, submissions, and I mentioned when Diona does the, the Venus de Milo with the, the two arms. Yeah. And uh, like one of the guys, Dave, I was talking to about it, there was a bit of a pause, and then as I was talking, he it took him a bit longer to get the reference, the Venus de Milo reference. Like, <laughs> you, ever, you ever get that when you, you, you make a reference and it takes somebody you're talking to a bit longer than everyone else to get it? Yeah, you see, you, you mention it, and then you see that look on their face, and then they go, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, I got it, yeah. And like, when he eventually, when he eventually goes, oh, yeah, because it appears to my other no art, that has no art, so yes, Dave, welcome back with the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I like I, Dave, I really. I've killed you like myself a good few times where you're like, say what? And then you're like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I totally get you on that one, man. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, funny shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's obviously... She never gets a chance to actually lock in the, the Venus de Milo version of the armbar. Uh, Rosemary hits an overhead suplex, and then she hits a double underhook suplex. She, I can't remember the name of the move, but it looks like a version of the F5 that she hits, and they mention, well, she's won knockouts titles before this move, and so obviously it's maybe one of her key moves, and they protect it by not having Dion a kick out, but they had Kimberly pull her, like pull the referee out of the ring, but before obviously the referee yeah. disqualifier, you got Ty of Valkyrie getting in Kimberly's face, and... Uh, Rosemary uh, looks annoyed about uh, what happened and then Dion takes advantage it's a bit to the face and then the Costa Nostra uh, cradle pile driver to retain the title and then afterwards this is where you could tell where this was going to go because uh, Taya Valkyrie kind of gets into Kimberly and Dion's face before they can do anything to Rosemary after the match and we had uh, Tasha Steels and Kier Hogan versus Taya and Rosemary who According to Taya Valkyrie, their tag team name is uh, Rag- Ragnarok, I think, what she describes uh, her and Rosemary's tag team name. <laughs> and and so it's, it looks like ta- uh, Rosemary and Taya might actually advance to the finals, but then on the outside, Diona attacks, Rosemary hits a flatliner on the, the ramp, and that distracts uh, yeah. Taya Valkyrie enough for Keir Hogan to take advantage, and that secured them into the finals. So... Yeah. I like this tag tournament, it's kind of advanced in other stories, like one of the first room matches have set up that mixed tag we talked about earlier, this helps sets up Taya versus uh, Taya versus John Perazzo and then obviously Jordan Grace and Jazz then had a singles match after they lost their semi-final match, so it's kind of set, setting things up in all different directions, there's multiple storylines going on in the knockout yeah. division which is one of the main things they can criticise WWE and AEW in that and unless a storyline involves the main like women's championship, they struggle to find meaningful storylines for the women. Do you know what I've got to mention? Do you know what's freaky? What? 
jazz is smaller than Jordan Grace. <laughs> yeah. And Jordan Grace is like a muscular beam. She's she's muscular as fuck, but she's totally. But I know I think like jazz is uh, shorter, but it doesn't make her any less intimidating. I think. No, jazz jazz is like a tiny wee female Mister T. (laughs) And then see when she's coming into the ring with that mask and the coat on, Mm -hmm. she looks like a wee mini Morpheus. (laughs) That's a that's a more fitting reference. I think Morpheus. Yeah, she's like mini Morpheus. But then she takes her gear off and she's wearing the, the fucking boiler suit and she looks like Mr. T. <laughs> I do like the mask she wears to the, the ring and then she takes it off and you see like the bald head look she's got going. Yeah. Nah, Jazz is cool, man. You know, Jazz is well cool. But, yeah, then it sets up Ty Valkyrie during one of the, be- the best of Impact shows in a pre-tape video challenges Diona Perazzo for to a match at Hard to Kill, which is then accepted. And they do a, a ring ring segment on the first impact of twenty twenty one where Donna Prazo basically says like, Oh, you, you go on about how you're the longest reign knockouts champion, but well what have you done since, you know, like you're hanging on to this one accolade, are you gonna hang on to this for the rest of your career? And uh, Valkyrie uh, Valkyrie admits that maybe I got distracted with the wedding and wrestle house and then the tag tournament, I need to get back to being the tire Valkyrie I was before when I was the longest reigning tag champ. So yeah, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to that match at, at Hard to Kill. They keep talking about it on commentary, like how the fact that we've got like the Knockouts tag match and like the big six man main event, but the commentary seem to single out that match as one to watch. And I definitely think it will be because you know, Deanna Perez has been like the mainstay of the division, the main focus since she came in, but obviously before that yeah. where she came in that spot was probably uh, held up by Taya Valkyrie. Yeah, and apart from maybe Jordan Grace and Rosemary. Mm-hmm. Young has not really had much of a challenge. I wouldn't say so. You know, I mean, when she had so young, but then she, when she wasn't like a surprise opponent, she managed to win the belt back from her. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be an interesting match. I, I, even though I want it, I hope, I think Tyre will win. Yeah. I mean, that's my prediction. Honestly, I don't know where this could go. To be honest, like. I think Taya is one of the more the most believable like challengers she's had so far, so I could definitely see it happening because I definitely yeah. I didn't think for a second that Rosemary as much as I like her was going to win the title at final resolution. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Hmm. You, you never know. I mean, even if whether she wins or loses, they could use this to create maybe some tension between her and, and Rosemary. No. You see, that could that could make it interesting because I mean. It's all very well and good having a long reigning champion, but you have to find ways to keep your title interesting as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And say Tyre wins at Hard to Kill, which I hope she does, then Rosemary could get it in her head and think that she, you know, she's been left at the wayside by Tyre, Tyre's won the title again. It could, like you say, create some interesting tension. Mm-hmm. Which could lead to maybe a, a pay-per-view match down the line between Taya and Rosemary. I'm to see that. Which could also lead into like some more weirdness from Susan. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to see where that goes. <laughs> but, well, the last two matches, I believe, like, 
I, I believe the last two matches of this show are probably the best two because yeah. uh, we have a, a scene on the on Kenny Omega's bus where he's chatting with uh, Don Callis and Don Callis and uh, Kenny Omega. Well, I'll start again. Jesus Christ, I don't. I know words good. <laughs> Some good words there. I had a brain fart there, I'll start again. But the next two matches, I believe, are the best two. Uh, we had kind of the semi main spot uh, after Carl Anderson was on the bus with Kenny Omega and Don Callis. You know, he was set to challenge Ethan Page, and if Ethan Page won, then you know, the North got a tag title shot. And you know, he was chatting, and they. Don Callis said earlier evening, like, Kenny Omega's not here to get physically involved in the show. He's here visiting family. And then also, like, Carl Anderson comes out later on because also they go back yeah. in Japan. And then uh, he says, oh, i got to go wrestle. I'd love to stay in chat, but i go go wrestle. And he goes, oh, you should be back in, like, a couple of minutes, shouldn't you? Like, no, no, it's going to take me longer than that. It'd be Ethan Page. And, like, then Kenny Omega and Don Callis start turning the shit and getting in his head, like, but aren't you the machine gun? Aren't you the guy who main event got the finals of the 2012 G1 Climax Match of the Year candidate and all that, like, surely that, Carl Anderson should should, should need less than a few minutes. Yeah, I remember him saying that. Yeah, I think they were trying to, they were also setting up for, like, him and Gallows kind of reunite with Kenny and also trying to get him to be, like, the old machine gun, who is better than the version of the machine gun we've seen since the fucking debuts in Impact. Well, I've got an opinion on that, too. Uh-huh. You know, you know I don't like the Good Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. You know I'm very against the Good Brothers and think they're a lot of shite. I'm thinking but. But, Carl Anderson, when he is able to wrestle on his own, mm-hmm. is so much better than when he's been lumbered by that big diddy that he wrestles with. Yeah, he is the better singles wrestler, even though he's more primarily known, I think, for being a tag wrestler, but there are instances yeah, like the match. He's such a better wrestler when he's wrestling a singles match. Mm-hmm, I definitely agree. Look, Gallows, in my opinion, and I know this is a very unpopular opinion because, you know, people are wrong. <laughs> but look, Gallows is a diddy. Uh, he's keep more capable than certain past big men, but, you know, Compared to someone like a Madman Fulton, he's, he's, there's not really much comparison. He's useless. To me, he will never be anything other than Festus. <laughs> so, and even then, he was a diddy. But, well, during this match, I think this fired-up version of Carl Anderson, Nelson's fact that he said he didn't have Carl, uh, Luke Gallows with him, made for a much better match, because this match, I thought it was like, well, going to be one side in favour of Anderson because of that. But no, Ethan Page held his own for most of it. And only after, after he made a bit of a, a small mistake that he lost. Because, you know, he had them exchanging punches. Josh Alexander, and they say he doesn't really get involved until the end. Uh, yeah. Anderson hits a big high kick in the, the corner and then hits a, a really good-looking spinebuster. You know, I think it seems to be a law. If you're a wrestler and your name's Anderson, you need to know how to hit a spinebuster. <laughs> That's very true. Mm-hmm. I was saying that Triple H wasn't he called Anderson he hit a bitch in Spinebuster that is true uh, uh, there's a spot where 
I don't know how to describe it, but Keaton Page is standing in front of uh, Grant and he puts his arm behind him and basically throws him over his head off the middle turnbuckle and then pulls him back up into a kind of a version of a suplex. It was a very fluid movement from uh, from Ethan yeah. Page. Even though I kind of, like, well, there are certain titans where you can clearly tell that guy's a better singles wrestler, uh, like you said with Carl Anderson, but like with the North, both of them are very capable singles wrestlers in their own right. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like you said, he made a minor mistake. We went for a top rope kind of suplex. He got a bit too cocky. Carl Anderson and pushed him off the apron, hit a uh, leaping net breaker. Yeah, George Alexander tried to get up on the apron, but Carl Anderson immediately shoved him off. And then the way Ethan Page sold the gun stun here reminded me of when RVD back in the early 2000s used to take an RKO by basically folding his whole body in and it's uh, just completely yeah. just like a full front forward bump Ethan Page takes on this gun stun. And Garlinson gets the way he's celebrating it all fired up. He cut to a split screen of Kenny Omega and Don Callis watching the truck applauding him for his victory. And then Ethan Page slowly but surely starts having a mental breakdown in the ring. Yeah. And he's like, like, yeah, he does. And Josh Alexander is like furious with him. And he's like, he's like, no, I've got a plan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure it out. It's, it's fine. It's all fine. Josh Alexander takes off his North jacket and basically just storms off. And Ethan Page is like, oh, he's looking around everyone. It's fine, everybody. Camera cool, pins are like, it's fine. I'm going to fix it. Josh, if you're watching the monitor, it's, it's fine. Do you know, I know that his contract is up in the air at the moment. Mm-hmm. I really hope he stays. I, mean, I really do. They say his contract, look, the story was that his contract was up at the end of December, that you no know, impact wanted him to stay, but he wasn't like wanting to resign and that uh, he was leaving on mutual terms and everything. But we're here in early January. We're setting up for a pay-per-view in mid-January that he's going to be on. I'm wondering if maybe these rumours weren't either fully accurate or maybe technically Ethan Page isn't re-signing. But you know how, like, how they did the thing with uh, Susie and Sue Young and separate tweets announcing that they'd re-signed? What if they- the Karate Man signing. Yeah, Ethan Page's contract has expired. But we're elected to announce we've signed the Karate Man. Kayfabe, brother, kayfabe. Yeah. I I honestly think that would be hilarious. But <laughs> Ethan Page... Do you pa- like the Karate Man? I think Karate Man is quite hilarious. <laughs> it is pretty good. Because he looks like a, a kind of a knockoff of a Street Fighter character, even though I don't play Street Fighter. I know Ethan Page is a bit of a nerd, and I think he does. So that's where he probably got the influence. And then there's a skit where Ethan Page is talking to Karate Man... And Karate Man says, yeah, "Like, and Karate Man says, I'm no street fighter. Uh, which I think is a reference to the fact that he looks like a street fighter character. But basically, after... Are you, are you, are you waiting for Ethan Page during a match to go Hadouken? See, that would be... Uh, that would be excellent. I'd love for him to do a Hadouken. You'd like, but, you'd like Ethan Page to shoot a fireball in the middle of the match? Yes. Wouldn't you? Okay. We, we will contact him and tell him to do that. Until you should tweet him. Uh, I don't. You know I don't tweet. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the listeners. Ah. But, well, the story isn't fully over because after this, you had Josh Alexander basically being quite annoyed at Ethan Bates. He said, like, look, I think we need some time apart. You need to get your your head straight. And as soon as Ethan Page, like, leaves through a door as if he was eavesdropping, Brian Myers walks in and basically offers to be uh, Josh Alexander's new tag partner, and Josh basically yeah. refuses. They have a match. 
on that impact and the Ethan Page gets knocked off the apron while trying to help Josh Alexander and then pops back up from behind the apron as the Karate Man and basically he costs Josh Alexander the match via disqualification and uh, at uh, Hard to Kill both, uh, both men are going to be fighting We've got Josh Alexander is apparently going to have a match with Brian Myers at Hard to Kill but also there's going to be I assume a cinematic match otherwise how the hell are you going to do this uh, you're going to have the Karate Man versus Ethan Page Basically, Ethan Page is wrestling with himself. Ethan Page is playing with himself. Yes. Dirty bastard. He has a lot of problems. <laughs> he does. And honestly, it's one of the matches I am most looking forward to because I don't know how it's going to be pulled off and the curiosity that's intriguing me. It's going to be cool. It, it will be, and... I wonder what's going to happen with the North, because I sent you a thing uh, a while back. It was a video Josh Alexander had shared on social media, uh, basically hyping him up as basically the walking weapon I don't need to rely on anybody in 2021, which I thought they were signaling that if Ethan Page was leaving, that this was going to be the start of maybe a wee singles push for Josh Alexander, but maybe... Do you know something? As long as he keeps that entrance music, I don't care. I can see him keeping that music, but maybe because this is going to be a thing. It more than Karate Man. Maybe this will be a thing. Like they woke up on their own thing. He's going to be a serious, no nonsense guy. He's a walking weapon. Well, at least in Page goes off and does his Karate Man thing for a while. Do you, Do you think eventually, as long as Ethan Page resigns with the company, that we will eventually reconvene? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, there's no guarantee he's going to stick around after this final resolution no, no final resolution after this hard to kill match uh, but you don't know that I mean, maybe he wants to have a fun like send off the idea of him fighting his alter ego and that but like I said there's no guarantees we're just going to have to actually wait and see that as long as he stays with the company there's always the possibility you know never say never and all that yeah 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 mm-hmm. so that was a decent match that was a really good match I thought Carl Anderson versus uh, yeah Versus Ethan. Ethan Page, yeah. Also, I should mention on the the show before Final Resolution, Josh Alexander lost again because of Ethan Page's stupidity to uh, to Chris Saban and the machine guns because uh, Alexander yeah. had him where he wanted him. Ethan Page was yelling like what he should be doing when he was doing something else and that momentary distraction got him costing the match against Saban because uh, Shelley and Saban have been saying that the, their steps to getting back to the titles was first Triple XL, which they beat then they beat uh, Josh Alexander at the North, so they got through that because they were trying to work their way back up to challenging the Good Brothers for the tag titles. And obviously, so that was further in the, the, the dascension of the North. Yeah. Mm. It's still my, ultimately, it's, in, in my opinion, I just I just want to see someone take those belts off those fucking... those two. I'm, I'm sure they will soon enough, but... The North Most still managed. do not deserve to be besmirching the goddamn tag titles of Impact with like goddamn stupidity. The North still did. Were still voted Impact Tag Team of the Year for twenty twenty. So that's a good thing. It was. It was a good thing. Now, on to the main event. Yeah, yes. Chris Bay taking on uh, taking on Rich one for the uh, World Championship is uh, as Madison Rain perfectly put it. He's, he's looking to make the Bayhood dream come true. This match was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, Paul. I'm just going to... I'm stating that right now, and I'm standing by it. This match was freaking awesome. 
Before we go over the match, I do want a minor nitpick about the build. It's the teensiest, what? tiniest little one. And that is... What's your that, issue? That, well, that, well, my issue is that there really isn't any. Because look at, that, look at, look at what happens between here and uh, turning point. Rich Swan teams with Trey to have that match against the, the other members of the Rascals. And who, by the way, did the, the turns of that MSK that appeared on NXT, that was when Cindy and Tez. Yeah, I know. They, they kept their old finisher, though. That's good. Do they, you know Wentz was suicide? I did not know that. Yeah, Wentz was suicide. Mm. So many different people have been suicide, you know. Well, I heard rumour that Caleb with the K was suicide. Yeah, it pretty, pretty much is. I'm pretty sure that's all been confirmed. Like, not by impact on sales, because, you know, Kayfabe, but... Like, you got to think, I think... Yeah, and obviously you said that uh, TJP was suicide. Yeah, you said when Daniels and Kazarian back in the original run were him. Uh, I think a wrestler by the name of Jonathan Gresham, I think, briefly donned the mask. It's like, yeah. he, he's the Doctor Who or the James Bond of wrestling, and there's so many different people have played the same character. And TJP as well. He but. is, he is. Oh, unlike when the actual Doctor Who, no woman has played him yet. Well, I think you can tell you can tell when a woman is in the, the mat. There's some, it's a very tight suit. There's very, some differences between a man wearing it and a woman wearing it. I could say something about that. It would be very wrong and controversial, but I'm not gonna. But I, my main point, Paul, was going to be this: that like, so that match happened. Uh, well, actually, and then the next week he has a match with uh, Ken Shamrock but all the while Chris Bay has been trying to get his attention and Juan Cena blows him off and then they have a match between Willie Mack and Chris Bay and you think oh Willie Mack's going to lose to give Chris Bay a uh, reason to challenge uh, Rich Swan. and Moose even said like, you beat a man's best friend you get his attention and uh, yeah. Willie Mack beat Chris Bay and then there was a scuffle between these two, Moose and Swan, afterwards, which ended in Chris Bay hitting a springboard cutter and then holding up the belt. And apparently putting his hands on the belt was enough for Rich Swan to give him a title shot. And then yeah. you had Swan and Mac versus Moose and Bay, which ended with uh, Moose spearing uh, Willie Mac. And basically he did all the work. And then while he was scuffling with Swan, Chris Bay stole the pin. And so he yeah. stood tall technically at the end of the go-home show. I like the video package for this. It cuts out when it just says Rich One says, uh, oh, you did something I can't forgive, you touched my property. And I feel like the video package was just about to get going and then like, oh no, that's, that's your law, that's your video package. Like, really? Yeah. So, like, story-wise, it's, as a champion, I'm not liking a lot of what Swan's doing, but match-wise, this match was far... I think this match was better than his match with Eric Young or Sammy Callahan previous to this. This match was absolutely fucking awesome. It really was. It really was. And well, yeah. and like I mentioned, like I felt like this was gonna be a very much an X division style main event, you know. And it started off like he did mention that. And like it started yeah. off quite technical at first. And you think, oh, and just as you you at home are thinking, or just as the commentators are commenting on how, oh, this is not the way I thought it was gonna start. Then they suddenly start like running back and forth, guys flipping over each other, doing hurricane rise and stuff like. So they're just doing enough. To start off and then occasionally picking the pace up just enough to keep your attention on the match not oh, thinking no, there, was, there was times during that match where if you were an epileptic you'd be fucked you know what I mean there was too much to <laughs> watch at one time yeah totally. 
Yeah, there's a point where Ritz won. It, it was so fucking, it was so good and engaging, you know, because both of those wrestlers, Swan and Bay, I think Swan may be a little older than Chris Bay. Yeah, Chris Bay, I think it's early 20s. I mean, Swan, I think he's early 30s. Swan's been wrestling a lot longer than people realise, I think. Mm. Well, the first, the first I'd heard of Ritz Swan was when he was feuding with uh, uh, fucking, oh, what's his name, the Blackpool guy. The no, bastard. bastard guy. The bastard in AEW. Pack. Pack, no, he's, he's from Newcastle. Oh, is he from Newcastle? He's from fucking Newcastle. Don't fuck me I was, I was in the right fucking country, at least. Oh, yeah, that's that's there. That's... And I will, rem- I will remind you, I'm a joint, a fucking can of dragon soup and two halves of bourbon down. Uh, I agree. Blaming the booze, typical of you. Blaming, blaming the intoxicants. Hmm. I'm also blaming that for saying blaming instead of blaming. <laughs> I also didn't notice, but anyway. Uh, looking back at the match, and there's some great good spot. Like Swan was setting a cartwheel into a, you know, a moonsault, and then after that didn't work, he went into a similar version, but with a 450, but Chris Bay got the knees up. Uh, yeah. It also was a spot where he, did a, he quickly got up and hit a, the version of Code Red Sunset, like, flip over. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very unique but looking... No, that, but, but the whole match was fucking fire, man. You know what I mean? You, there was points where you're like, oh, fuck, who the fuck is going to win this? You mm. know? And, and that, to me, at times, is the best kind of fucking match. See, when you honestly just don't know who's going to win. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know, and you're like, let's keep... Like, by the time you're on the edge of your goddamn seat, sitting there going, this could go either fucking way. Who's winning this shit? You know we've talked about the diversity of impact in the, in the past, but with uh, this match, also you can argue this isn't a pay-per-view, but it's a pay-per-view style show, even though they don't call it pay-per-view because it's exclusive to, to Impact Plus and not on pay-per-view like Hard to Kill is. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, somebody pointed out in the lead-up to this that this is the first time two African-American men have faced off and I mean, event of a technically a pay per view for a world championship since The Rock versus Booker T at SummerSlam 2001 for the WCW title. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck's sake, like, Impact are recently, I don't know, like, with full on history of, like, TNA Impact, right? But Impact, in my opinion, are really famous for, you know, pushing the boat out in that regard, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, you had. I think in the past, like under TNA holding the NWA title, we had the first recognised, I think only recognised black NWA champion and Ron the Truth Killings, and that uh, you had yeah. you've got people like Consequences Creed, Xavier Woods in the past. You had Austin Kong was a figurehead of the women's division, and that that prick yeah. Bubba Lola Sponge after he said some racist shit about her was quickly let go from the company. So who was that? That Bubba Lola Sponge was a pal of like Hogan and that, and then he wasn't around oh, the company long after. Okay. I'm pretty sure Kong beat the legit beat the fuck out of the guy after he was said some very offensive shit about her. Awesome Kong beat the shit out of him. Yes. Good honour. Aye. Good honour, man. Fucking say shit about me, cunt. Boom. Like even like talking about like the the main the, the final match of the Go Home Impact. Then you had a tag team match made of all African American men. You had Willie Mack and Swan versus Miss and. Miss and Bay. Chris Bay, yeah, so... Yeah. 
Hey, but then... I mean, Impact are fucking solid for that kind of shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they got I mean it's not always worked out. I mean, the first, the first woman world champion in wrestling. Mm-hmm. It was great, you know, Tessa Blanchard won it, but in fairness, she was a, she was a bitch. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they were to know Self, that... Self-important, self-entitled bitch who wouldn't fucking turn up and defend her belt, so she lost it and got fired, so fuck her. Yeah, maybe they, you can an argument can be made that maybe they should have looked into the, the stuff about the bullying before they gave her the belt, but also the, the after they weren't to know that she'd be so unprofessional as to not like even send in vignettes or video or promos while champion. Yeah, but same, I would have thought the best person to put that championship on if you were going to give it to a woman would have been Taya. Mm-hmm. That would have been something because Taya Valkyrie is fucking solid, man. I will say like that like thing with Jordan Grace uh, being involved in that X Division match. I mean, at first it was intriguing, then she didn't do much in the the six scramble match, and then she kind of was done with that. So I really think there's a missed opportunity with Jordan Grace in the X Division. Uh I would say so as well. You know, look, look at such good like female talent in Impact. You know, mm-hmm. I mean you've. Got- Gordon, you've got Taya, you've got Rosemary, you've got Tasha Steeles and Kiera Hogan, you've got Havoc Nevada, you've got the Sea Stars, as you'd say. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got multiple female talent and impact that are really solid in the ring. Mm-hmm. Don't be- and fully proven of an X Division run, in, in my opinion, you know. Talking mm-hmm. about uh, Chris Bay for a second, because uh, obviously he's involved in this match we might be talking about, but he won at the <laughs> Impact End of Year Awards, he won a Star to Watch. In 2021, uh, yeah, and uh, when Madison Rain was uh, Josh Matthews talked to Madison Rain about it, and I know we don't usually comment on the commentary because we're not really a fan of these two as commentators, but it was a really good line Madison Rain said, and I think it's a good way to get someone over with a line like this. Uh, uh, Josh Matthews like you claim that you thought Ace Olsen should have won that, but you're always singing the praises of Chris Bay. Why do you not want him to win this kind of award? And she says, I don't think he's the kind of guy you should be watching out for. He's the kind of guy you should have been watching all along. Yeah, yeah, that was, a, that was a great fucking line, fella. I was like, oh, credit to you, like credit where credit's due, that is a... That I'll is be a... honest, right, I've, I've, I'll admit it, I've admitted it in the past, I've never been the biggest fan of Madison and Josh on commentary. Mm-hmm. At times, though, Madison can come out with something that really does hit home. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, ah, you fucking right, hen, you know what I mean? Like, good on you. And Josh... Didn't you really do that so much, you know? <laughs> yeah, we should mention that at Hard to Kill they've announced a new commentary team because Master Rain has been planning on leaving for a while. She's looking for a job outside of wrestling, and apparently Josh Maggi has been given a position behind the scenes. And uh, starting at Hard to Kill, it's going to be the team of Matt Striker. Fair enough, he's a really good commentator. Uh, and randomly, Dilo Brown. I'm interested to see how that happens. Say you're looking at the real deal now. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, if he doesn't say that, like whenever they cut to the commentary team, or like you're looking at the new comment, you're looking at the commentary team now, or something like that. He should say it at least once. He should. <laughs> he shouldn't wobble his head too much, though. He'll, he'll knock his headset off. Say it once and bobble his head, and everyone will be sold. <laughs> they really missed an opportunity in the attitude if they, if they weren't selling dealer burn bobbleheads. Totally, that would have been fucking cool. Fucking hot seller, that would have been, you know, flying off the shelves. That would have, hell yeah, hell yes. But you know, you know what they say, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty one. <laughs> yeah. 
Demo Brown, man. Demo Brown is awesome. I wonder if he'll make references occasionally to eat the fact he was an aces and eights. <laughs> he may do. He may do. But, I mean, there's always odd in the back of the fucking room sort of rumour that aces and eights could reform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember they did that segment one time on Impact and then nothing came of it? Like, like before Slammiversary? Yeah, and there was an Aces and Eights vest. That was weird. Yeah, it was weird, but you were like, well, you know. But, but, well, but better than that, you know, we had a really cool series of like counters, like a fisherman, uh, or no, uh, a crucifix pin, and then another pin, and then Chris Bay got a fisherman buster where he just drives them down. I remember Seth Rollins used that move in the Indies for a while. And then really cool looking like finish where Chris Bay goes for like the art of finesse that Springboard Curry does, but then Rich One kind of hand stands out of it, and uh, while Chris Bay's sitting on the ground thinking he's actually hit the move, Rich One hits you that big high delayed kick to the face, and then hits a second one, Phoenix Splash, Rich One manages to retain the title in a hell of a match, and then is immediately confronted by Miss, who kind of grabs the world title, poses with both belts, and then hands it back to him. And uh, the commentators are like, this is me sending me saying, like, any time I want to, I could take this belt from you. Yeah, but, like, on the on the subject of a match, it was a five-star match, in my opinion. Uh, I, I, would, I would say minimum four stars, at least, you know. We'll, we'll agree, disagree on that one. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, the bare minimum is, is four stars, like, no lower than that, so... That's still a compliment still, and I think, like I said, I wouldn't give it a full five because I sometimes like to factor in story because I think that highly of my own opinion. Yeah, I, I get, I get that. I get, I get that. <laughs> but you, you, your way. But it's briefly talking about Chris Bay. He's seemingly now slipped back into the X division because you know, on the very next impact, he had a match with a uh, Manic, and basically now he after you know. Rohit was the one who outsmarted both TJP and Chris Bay to win the title in the first place. Now TJP's outsmarted him by coming out as mannequin winning the belt. And now Chris Bay basically saying, like, you come out with me to ringside from a match, we'll unmask and we'll prove it's TJP. And then Impact should hand you the belt back because TJP's not meant to be wrestling you for the title. And then, like, oh, I get it. And then he basically tricks Rohit into attacking Manic during the match, which gives Chris Bay a win over the champion by DQ, which now gets him a shot. The title's now at hard to kill. It's going to be a triple threat: Manic versus Rohit versus Chris Bay. So basically, everything Rohit did back in the summer is coming around to bite him in the arse. Yeah, yeah. And I quite like it. And I think at hard to kill. That's going to be a bitching match, you know. Oh, that has to open like the show. If you want a hot start to the show, open with that match. Because yeah, I mean, Rohit's great. Chris Bay is awesome, and fucking Manic TJP. He is fantastic, you know. Yeah, definitely. I was part of me was worried. Like, is it is it slightly concerned for you that as soon as he's lost in his world, his first world title shot, he's immediately back in the X division, or do you think maybe this was like a test for the future, and at some point he will be back in the the world title scene? No, I think he will be back in the world title scene. I think. I think it's it, it's a. A long play with him, you know. I mean, it's good. we're going to build him and build him and build him until he's like white hot, you know. Mhm. Yeah, I think I could agree with you on that. So, following on from from this, Rich Swan came out again to confront Carl Anderson after Carl Anderson. I think it was Chris Sabin. He fought the Machine Guns where he won 
but he cheated to win. And then he got kind of in his face about it, like, what the hell, when you don't need to cheat like that. And that led to a brawl between uh, the Machine Guns, Swan, the Good Brothers, and Kenny Omega. And, like, Kenny Omega pulls over some of the belt and, like, saying, like, you may be a world champion, but if you're a wrestler while Kenny Omega's around, you're just living in my world. And they set up the six-man tag for the... Set man tag for hard to kill and Paul. I have uh, some unfortunate news. Go on. Alex Shelley is not going to be at hard to kill. Oh, why? I, uh, I saw a report. It was sent to me in a group chat shortly before, shortly before this happened. Uh, we we report report we recorded basically saying, uh, Impact got a rest statement out basically saying that due to unforeseen circumstances. Then he uh, he will not be there. I don't know what exactly that means, but do you know who he's been replaced by? It could be a COVID-related thing. Yeah, I heard that maybe because like Drew McIntyre recently confirmed he tested positive, so he's had to miss the next couple of weeks of Raw. Uh, and also apparently EW and Impact I heard have been affected, but they never said who had it. So it's possible it could be because like. I thought, well, hard to kill be a, a telltale sign because they're meant to take the next couple of months of TV po- uh, in the days following hard to kill. So whoever's not at the tapings will probably be. But they just said unrelated circumstances. But they've announced that it'll now be Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus the team of Rich Swan, Chris Sabin, and Moose. Damn. Yeah, and I think when we get to that, we'll have it Genesis. That makes that a. Uh, Announcement all the more interesting. I would say so. I mean, as far as replacements go, I know obviously you want to see the machine guns like in a, a big spot, but like if it can't be helped, then and also Moose is a is a big enough star, I think, to be in that match. He is. He is. So yeah, that happened. Uh, also, the Good Brothers showed up on a on AEW Dynamite. Uh, the first time out of the year, we had uh, Kenny Omega retain the title over Phoenix, and then John Moxley came out trying to get to revenge over the way that he got screwed out the belt. Then the Good Brothers came out and attacked John Moxley, and the Young Bucks came out with them. They all, all five of them, kind of did the, the two sweet together, teasing that the Bucks were kind of joining up with them. And then on this, they tease that oh, the Elite, the Bucks and Kenny, the Elite are going to be in a six-man tag match on Dynamite this week. And then and Don Cal's got in the ring with Anderson and Kenny Omega's partners, the Good Brothers. And then before that, he mentioned like these two guys are your world tag team champions. So he didn't say EW tag champs. He brought out the Good Brothers who also the Impact tag champs, and the Good Brothers yeah. won a six man tag alongside Kenny on Dynamite this past week. Jeez. So you know, finally got some Impact talent showing up on a. Uh, on AEW rather than just Kenny Omega showing up at uh, Impact. I can only be fucking good for Impact, though. You know. Uh huh. I'm looking at I'm looking at this situation like in the most positive sense. You know. What, what at you... first, I was a little skeptical. I was like, ah, you know, Impact kind of jumping in the bed with the devil in a sense. You know. What do you What do you think of uh, these, these paid adverts that Tony Khan and Tony Giovanni have been doing? Well, how do you mean? Have you not seen that on Impact? Uh, every now and then, Toy Shavoni and uh, Toy Cam come up, they hype whatever the net dime is, and then they throw some shots at Impact as part of this whole relationship, like, well, mainly at Don Callis, but like they say, like, at Don Callis, and they say, like, 
Oh, you know, Kenny Omega, he's on your show, but if I wanted to, I could file an injunction that could put an end to that. Yeah, no, I've read some of it, and, you know, I, I kind of, I like it, but I don't like it, if you know what I mean. I What I don't like is that, I like them, like, throwing a wee, wee jab, so keeps the thing going, because I was like, Don Gals was invited him to AEW and then got involved, and then brought the belt over the Impact, but... I would like someone on Impact to actually acknowledge what's being said on these paid adverts, rather than it being yeah, so like, one-sided. Bit lame, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There have been one or two good lines, though. I thought, though, like my two favorite lines are: uh, Tony Khan said that you know next week I might have another paid advert. You know, I got a hundred dollars and a Christmas card from my grandmother, so I've got the spare cash. Uh, <laughs> and then he said, uh, Tony Schiavone one time said. Well, you know, we were going to have two paid adverts on this show, but Access TV couldn't break 100. Fuck's sake, man. <laughs> See, that's why I don't like it. <laughs> like, that's why long, I don't. You know, as long as they were responding, like I said, to stuff like that, I thought, oh, it'd be okay. <laughs> so the last two impacts of the year, just to get through this next bit before we get to Genesis, uh, was like Scott Demore and Josh Madison sitting in a room with all these Christmas decorations and reading out the results of the fans voted uh, Impact Awards, the end of year awards, and it was show like we've a few matches from the year as well, and also hype up yeah. the, the feuds and then promote Hard to Kill. I didn't really watch those episodes. Oh, so you talk about wanting to get like good and drunk, fucking so watch the two episodes and take a shot every time they say. They mention the the six man tie for hard to kill Jesus. You'll be, you'll not get through the I second episodes. I put those end of the year episodes on, but we mostly just bored the shit out of me. So the results, of the actual awards, uh, Diona Perazzo won both Knockout of the Year and Wrestler of the Year. Yeah, nothing was quite impressive. Uh, Tag Team of the Year was the North, as already mentioned. Uh, match of the Year was given to the the Five Way from Slammiversary. Uh, Ace Austin won X Division Star of the Year, and he his ex- yeah. his ex- didn't speech was basically like I was already I was only in the X Division for four months of the year, and yet somehow I have still outclassed all the other guys in the X Division. Maybe I maybe I should come back to the division, and after that set up him come in to the the Super X Cup. Yeah, did you see his shades? I did like the hearts that like were bleeding. Yeah, you, only he could pull those off. You know, you know, I think Shawn Michaels back in the day would have a slip pair of sunglasses like that. No, back in the day, Shawn would have just had hearts. He wouldn't have had bleeding hearts. Fair enough. But what do you think of the five-way from Slammiversary winning match of the year? Because I would have given it to the Iron Woman match. Would you have? Yeah. What about you? Well, remind me who was in the five-way again. The five-way, that was the one. Eric Young... Trey, Ace Austin, Rich Swan, and Eddie Edwards. Ah, that one. Yeah, see, I, I have to disagree with you on. I mean, I, I thought it was a good match, but... I mean, I think just slightly I, edge that the, the knockouts match, I think, out of all the matches this year, that kind of stands out to me. But, well, yeah, but you know that one thing you always hit on about storytelling? Mm-hmm. I think for that reason, the five-way wins it. Right enough, I'm not kind of saying anybody's wrong on that, I'm just giving my own uh, opinion. No, just because it... With storytelling and the way the five-way played out, led to so much more. Mm-hmm. You know, with, and the wrestling, 
and the five weeps on par with the wrestling and the, the Iron Woman match. It was very solid wrestling, but the storytelling and the, the, the play out led to so much more than what the Iron Woman match did. It's fair. Which is fair. why I did the, the five way, you know. And uh, you wanted a chance to wax lyrically about uh, Crazy Steve. Uh, Hell yeah. And the, the opening match of the first impact of the year was a four week kind of teaser for the Super X Cup, which was. Crazy Steve versus Ace Austin, the first time Ace Austin's wrestled, I think, on Impact since Burn for Glory. Uh, Casey Navarro and Blake Christian. And Crazy Steve, which surprised me, got the win in that four-way. What was uh, your... Th- he did! So go ahead, wax he- lyrically. Crazy Steve got the win, and Crazy Steve fucking wrestled like a fucking champ in that match. It says, Crazy Steve is awesome, man. Yeah, it's awesome, but we'll jump into the Genesis thing, because it was set all around the, the Super X Cup. you got to assume whoever, that the winner of the Super X Cup will then go on and be the challenger for whoever walks out of Hard to Kill, that triple threat with the, the X Division Championship. Yeah. So the first match at Genesis was Ace Austin versus Suicide. Ace Austin had Madman Fulton in his corner, obviously dressed like that, dressed like you said earlier on, and I like to Ace uh, Madman Fulton every now and then would just like go, yeah, and get really into whatever Ace Austin was doing, whatever moves he was hitting during I'll the matches. You know how you say Madman Fulton? Mm-hmm. Barman Fulton. There you go, Barman Fulton. Barman Fulton. <laughs> but anyway, Ace Austin v. Suicide. Well, he did, they do these like pre-taped videos interviewing each of the competitors, but for Suicide's one, they don't have Suicide talk. They have other people talk about him. Yeah. And, like... I think when the machine gun says, like, you know, at first there were rumours that it was Christopher Daniels, and I'm still not sure whether or not that is Christopher Daniels. <laughs> uh, East Austin does take control earlier in this match. You know, these matches, the, uh, the Super X-Con matches, like, I do rewatch parts of them back, because, like, so many cool spots were happening that were, that were worth talking about, but they all happen, like, so well, fast, more often than not, that I do go back and keep them down for my notes. Well, a lot of those spots came from Blake Christian. Yeah, a lot of top, worth where the well stuff happened because of Blake, Blake Gershon, but he's also pulled up some great stuff as well. Like he tried to do that thing with the card that he does between the fingers, but also he didn't it backfire because Suicide wears gloves and Suicide just gave him the finger. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Suicide gets an octopus hold in and then slowly transitions to a surfboard. Uh, Fulton doesn't physically get involved, but it's just his presence there is enough because like, Suicide goes for a, a dive to the outside, but Fulton just stands there. And he's way basically saying, like, come ahead. Yeah, I loved that. It was, that was, like, smart interference, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not technically doing anything wrong. I'm just here. He's the one that's looking at me. Yeah, I'm not touching him. I know, he's not so touching I'm not, him. I'm not touching him. You can't tell me I'm touching him. I'm not touching him. It's like the bit in friends. Not touching, can't get mad. Not touching, can't get mad. Not touching, can't get mad. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, this is enough drive for East to come back in the room, hit a springboard kick to the face uh, of suicide. <laughs> yeah. There's a spot where they're on the outside where suicide throws all East Austin back into ring, but he holds onto the ropes, flips back out to the outside, and then sends suicide out the steel set, which I thought was quite cool how he pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, suicide, I think he was going for like a suplex, but he didn't get him up enough, and then ends up in like a what was a nasty looking brain buster? You know, I don't think that was what he was going for. Hell yeah. But uh, East Austin eventually has a pop up knee and then hits the fold 
for the win. They say no one kicks out of the fold, even though I'm pretty sure Eddie Edwards kicked out of it in that five way at Slam Anniversary, but who am I to. He does. What? Eddie Edwards doesn't count. Okay, fine, he doesn't count. But, but anyway, Ace Austin gets a first round win, which I think could be as uh, you can expected. But Blake Christian then versus Casey Navarro, two new guys to impact. And a couple of guys I hope they keep around in the next division, especially Blake Christian. This is. I was, he, he looks so gay. <laughs> I, I think he is gay, that's the, the point. Oh, is he actually gay? Yeah, yeah, he yeah, really right. looks gay. Well, I, I don't make, make assumptions, but I'm thinking if someone, if he's meant to look gay, then more than not, he is gay. Yeah, but Blake Christian, man, he comes, he comes out right, and he's, he's like, he's the most plain-looking guy you'd see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But my God, can that guy wrestle? Yeah, I was gonna say, like, one of your thoughts, but you because I've not seen Casey Navarro before. I didn't see him before the the four-way on Impact, but I'd seen Blake Christian in the. Uh, New Japan Super J Cup, but yeah, see, I, I hadn't seen either of them before, so they were both new to me. But Blake Christian impressed the fuck out of me. See, that's what I was wanting to know. I was wondering what your thoughts were. These two, like guys, who would have been brand new to you. Oh no, like I mean, well, the Navarro guy, what was his name? Casey Casey Navarro. Navarro, like, he was good, but Blake Christian was something else. Yeah, you know, t- totally. He was. He, so fucking good, and he's so agile in the ring. Mm-hmm. Like when I was making notes, I was there's so much happening that whenever when these two are wrestling, I just put down the next. I didn't even put their names. I put BC and Casey, like just just. <laughs> and I would do that for for Blake Christian's further matches. Just put down BC because he he does so much in these matches. Like and yeah, then, and the thing is, well, he, he doesn't even look like. Like athletic, like a lot of those cruiserweights do, you know, like they're kind of muscular but they're thin, you know. He just looks like an average dude. Yeah. Which is super cool, but he's so fucking agile and he pulls off some amazing fucking spots in a match. Yeah. You know? The, f- the first wee bit of the match is very technical, you know, the, not the start you'd expect. It was a different from the set apart from the, the match before it where they were kind of doing arm holds and head scissors. But like it was the way that they were escaping from these moves that made it look so cool, and then yeah, yeah, what's often called a lope, which is when Casey Navarro dove between the bottom and middle rope to the outside. Uh, yeah, he, he had a diving foot stomp while Blake Christian was kind of sitting up, and then he was doing the thing where he had like he puts a knee in the back and then like pulls the guy's arms back, uh, kind of really working over. Uh, what I noticed in these three matches is that. Uh, Blake Christian really plays does a good job playing the baby face in peril like like selling like where a, bit, where a baby face has got an injury in a match and has to battle through he plays that role very well yeah myself and Brian we were watching it and like as he went through the tournament mm-hmm. and like he came out for that next match and he was holding the goddamn like his ribs as if he was still hurt and we were like is he actually hurt mm-hmm. you know because he, he felt it like he, you just couldn't tell if he was actually sore uh-huh. or if he was just playing it up you know but the guy the guy knows like you can tell that's a guy that knows his wrestling you know yeah, I know a cool move by Casey Navarro where he ran, runs at Blake Christian then it's a spin through version of like a standing like sliced bread which looked cool but yeah. Blake Christian eventually manages a comeback it's a it's the Death Valley driver and then immediately gets up it's a standing shooting star press 
looked cool. Yeah. And then eventually, after hitting a sunset flip uh, powerbomb off the middle rope, Blake Christian goes right back up. The way he can like hit a move and then immediately be back up on the top rope in like a matter of seconds. Oh, the guy, the guy who moves like fuck. The guy is so fluid in his movement. And then he hit what basically I, I describe it as a uh, kind of a spinning version of a shooting star press almost, or kind of a spinning splash off the top. But he hits it, and Blake Christian advances to the the second round. Yeah, yeah, and that that shooting star, that spinning shooting star press was just that was just funny, man. Yeah, well, you know, it was so good. <laughs> Also, we've talked about the X Division, not technically a cruiserweight division, you know, some people think of it as such as being about, like, no limits, but which made the next match stand out where we had Davari taking on Cousin Jake. Yeah. Uh, they thought off, you know, Cousin Jake, he's got the power advantage, he's throwing about, he's, he's using that against uh, Davari. Uh, then Davari pop- because that, that guy ain't small, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Devari's been banging the roids because like, there was a spot where he had a figure for him and you could see like his back acne, which is apparently a sign of somebody taking uh, taking steroids. So I don't think that physique of Devari is all natural. I ne- what? I never noticed the back knee. Yeah, he, well, it's hard not to notice it because the camera zooms right on his back while he's when he's hitting a fi- locking in a figure four layer in the match. I'm sorry to go dark here, but was it Eddie Guerrero circa 2005 back then? I don't think it was that bad, but it was definitely noticeable. Because uh, you know you know, nearly the end of his career, Guerrero was like that. Uh-huh. But also, not to get too dark, going back to the match, there's a spot where Devari was set up on the, the apron, but he moves it the way his uh, cousin Jake runs at him, sitting cousin Jake basically goes throat first into the the bottom rope, and then Devari like slows the match down a little bit. He goes after the midsection, uh, tries to go after the legs at one point. Like I said, he lugs in a figure four, and then he goes a second attempt because Jake managed to shove him off. Because uh, yeah. Jake had a really red chest because Devari had some really hard looking chops. But yeah, I noticed that. I looked pretty sore. <laughs> but because Jake had some good stuff, like he had a spit uh, version of like what looked like a bit of a, a Michinoku driver, maybe. Uh, but yeah, look. What'd you say, sorry? Like, is so much. Like, I think like a single run could be good for cousin Jake because he has so much in his repertoire. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he hit like a deadlift looking like power bomb, and then even though he like his yeah. midsection was hurt, he made that like a spinner version of like the boss man slam, which eventually allowed yeah. him to advance to the semis. But he's he's such a solid, powerful guy. You know what I mean? But he has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. You know. Mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't wrestle with sleeves, but <laughs> I get what you're saying. <laughs> I got up my something up my sleeves. We haven't got any sleeves. Then <laughs> we go into the final uh, semi uh, first round match. We have Trey Lamar, another newcomer, uh, against Crazy Steve. And Trey Trey, spent- Trey Lamar was all right. I liked him. I didn't like him as much as Blake. Uh, like Christian, but he was alright. Yeah, he didn't do anything that spectacular in this match. You know, he, he spent the first whale well, being... I've, I've got to say, though, when he, when he kicked Crazy Steve's monkey off that apron... Well, that wasn't this match, that was the next match. He has That was Blake Christian who did it and it was accidental. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> You're jumping ahead of yourself, man. 
I do apologise. I do apologise. But like he spent the wee while like being afraid of Crazy Steve and his monkey, and then I went before I eventually managed to hit some offense. But my main notes all about like stuff that Crazy Steve did in this match. Yeah. Like uh, this is what we're looking. Like. How can you be afraid? How can you be afraid of Kevin? His monkey has a name. Yeah, I think his name's Kevin. I did not know that. Yeah, his monkey's got a name. But so, like, uh, Trail Margo's first Spanish fly off the middle rope, but Crazy turns into a Russian leg sweep off the middle rope. Uh, he avoids the cross body off the top and basically then hits a leaping DDT off the middle rope. Crazy Steve wins. It wasn't. I'm not saying it's a bad match, but it's certainly the weakest of the first round. Weakest of the first round, but Steve still held his fucking own, man. Steve was awesome. Yeah, this is all more about Crazy Steve than it was this new guy. Hell yeah, it was. Crazy Steve rolls. What was interesting is also we go backstage, you got an interview with Mr. Betty's match later on with Willie Mack, and then we go right back into the tournament. I thought they would have put like went the jazz match on in between to like, set up, and now they go right back into the, the semi finals. Where we have Ace Austin yeah. versus uh, Cousin Jake, which is a, a real clash. You know, this time, you know, Cousin Jake's basically thrown about Ace Austin in the corner because, like, there's yeah. a definite size difference here. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's also, like, this is why I wanted to see that match between uh, Cousin Jake and Fulton because Ace Austin gets thrown outside, but Fulton manages to catch him, and then Cousin Jake has a dive over the top. Madman Fulton doesn't get uh, doesn't fully go off his feet, but he does get like knocked up the ramp, and then there's a bit of a face off between the two, which allows these often a dive and drop kick between the between the the ropes, which again, like you said, like you're not getting getting physically involved, but he is a he is a clear distraction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then so Ace Austin tries to chop uh, cousin Jake down with kicks and all that. He manages to lock in a crucifix pin. Uh, he dies off the top, but then Cousin Jake kind of catches him in a powerbomb position and then just tosses him right into the turnbuckle. Yeah. And then I really like the uh, I like the finishing sequence where like Cousin Jake looks like he was going for a gut wrench off the middle rope. He's also hits like a back kick to get out of it. And then it's a springboard version of the fold where I think they're trying to get over in this tournament that the fold like, isn't just like, the running version. He can hit the fold from any position. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's the fold, and what I was interested about this is I thought that uh, I figured that Cousin Jake would go to the semis, but I thought once he got there, maybe Dino would get involved, but nothing happened. No, nothing happened. It was just a straightforward, like, you know. Yeah, I, just, I thought there would be like some storyline progression between those two, but no, this was kind of kept as a separate thing from that. Yeah, yeah. But then here, this is where. It was Crazy Steve versus Blake Christian in the semis, and first, first Crazy Steve likes uh, Blake Christian, like you try and give him a hug and everything. Then Blake Christian accidentally kicks the monkey off the apron, and Crazy hey, Steve accidentally. May I? May I? Go ahead. Blake Christian accidentally kicks Kevin off the fucking apron. Crazy Steve loses his shit, man. He does. And you know, this is the first time I've seen Crazy Steve go at it, and you think, my Christ, he's going to mutilate this guy. <laughs> you know, he goes at it, and it, like it's the first time I've seen Crazy Steve, and I hate to put it like this, but it's the first time I've seen him look serious. Mm-hmm. You know, he fucking pummels Boy Christian and beats the crap out of him for a good bit of the match. 
Yeah, it's like yeah. he goes after like the midsection at one point as well, which is uh, which has ramifications for when Blake Christian goes into his next match because at one point Blake Christian hits a springboard moonsault, but when he goes for like a second attempt at it, that's when Crazy gets the knees up, and then yeah. he gets him in this like a double stretch position, but also he's like sticking his fingers into the rib cage and kind of clawing at him. Yeah, yeah. Which is very interesting. Yeah. Like well, try to fuck up, fuck up his rib and his torso and shit. Yeah, definitely. And uh, obviously he would have effects when he went to his next match. But uh, Blake Christian, that's a... Goes for a cross, a splash. There was a bit of a roll through. Uh, Crazy D hits a centaur in the corner, but uh, instead of hitting the same splash that he hit in the last match... Blake Christian picks the win by strip by putting Crazy Steve across the, the top rope and hitting a four fifty yeah. splash across the back and that was enough to get him. But also because he was, he had his ribs worked on during the match, hitting the four fifty hurt him even more, which again would have an impact when he goes into the finals against the East Austin. It was a, cool spot, though. It was a really cool spot that finish. Mm, I've seen moves like that before, but I've never really seen them as like finishing moves. I've seen them as like a, a just another spot in the match. So it was nice to see them actually as a that spot is an actual finish. Yeah. It's the way Blake Christian went and done it. Well, he executed it with such finesse. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I was actually, I was hoping for Blake Christian to go through against Ace Austin, but part of me was like, well, he's yeah. new, and crazy he's an established guy, so maybe they would have Steve versus Austin as kind of a, as kind of a, like, yeah, it's the two guys who are full-time on the Impact roster, but the fact that uh, Blake Christian went through means that, like, these guys are hopefully serious about signing them at some point. Yeah. Okay. We got a break from the tournament as uh, we have Jazz taking on Jordan Grace. Now this came about because I think actually one of my favourite matches of the tournament so far was the Jazz and Jordan Grace versus Havoc and Nevea. Because I actually thought that match yeah. could have went either way. Uh, but eventually Havoc hits a tombstone which... Uh, granted, you did it safely, but you could clearly tell uh, Jazz's head was nowhere near the fucking mat. Like, it was miles away. <laughs> yeah. It was further away from the mat than uh, I am I from you right now. Yeah, her, her head was further away from the mat than I am from you right now. Quite a statement. Yes, given that we're also, we're also recording this from our separate homes, but then, obviously, post-match, you think, because Joy Grace pops up from the apron... Just as the threes happen, so she's just that second too, like late to break up the pin, and then afterwards, Jordan Grace walks away. And he looks angry, like "Oh, Jordan Grace looks pissed about this." But then she calms down by the time she sees Jazz back, saying, "Like I feel guilty because I brought you out of retirement to do this. I don't want this to end like this. So how about at Genesis, you and me have a match?" Yeah. And uh, I've got a better one for you, by the way. What? Jazz's head was further away from the mat when Donald Trump is from his grip on reality. <laughs> and that's pretty far. There you go. That is very far, so that's saying a something. Good, a good little political analogy there. Oh, yes. Quality bit of satire. Quality bit of satire. I thought so. I thought so. I'm known for it. So what? Also, I, I tried to make my piece with the whole, like, no crowd thing in Impact, right? But like I feel bad because this match and the the final of the Super X Cup, I thought like I yeah. definitely thought there were points when I make my notes like this spot right here like across these two matches that if there were fans and anyways you hear the moments where people would be chatting this is awesome because these two matches were awesome especially Jazz versus Jordan Grace because 
part of me was worried about how this was going to go because Jazz looked good in the tag match, but I thought, you know, tag matches can be worked in a way that can make somebody like look better than they are. So I was wondering how this was going to be with Jazz, you know, because she was teasing retirement and a one-on-one match against Jordan Grace. And not this match exceeded yeah. my expectations. Mm. Honestly, I, I really enjoyed Jazz versus Jordan Grace. Yeah, it was a good match, you know, a good end to it too, you know? Yeah, you had like shoulder, them trying to shoulder chuck each other and like Jazz, like, when Jazz can't knock uh, Jordan Grace down, like, oh, I see, that's how it is. And then Jordan Grace immediately manages to uh, to knock uh, Jazz like off her feet and like, that's how we do it. And then the spot in the episode yeah. where Jazz drops Jordan Grace back first across the apron, but Jordan Grace quickly gets up, takes uh, Jazz up in an electric chair position and drops her face first across the apron. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you knew Jordan Grace was going to win it. I mean, she's bigger than Jazz. Yeah, but, I, but I, there's nobody often Jordan Grace can say she's bigger than somebody. And like the commentary was making a good point. Like a lot of the points that we talk about when commenting Jordan Grace are similar points to what people could have said about Jazz back in her, back in her heyday. What's that? Like about how like powerful she is and all that. Remind me, by the way, back in Jazz's heyday. Mm-hmm. Did she have hair? Yes, of course she had hair. No, I, I just I forget sometimes because I sometimes back in the day confused her with Jacqueline. No, you shouldn't get those two mixed up. You know, Jacqueline was good, but I think Jazz was better. No, you know, just two big, powerful, like African chicks. You know. Yeah, well, like this well, ma- African American chicks. Yeah, this magic you got like Jordan Grace at the season suplex and then caps off with a fisherman suplex. Uh, there's a spot where Jazz has like got her by the leg. She wants to like send her like throw her first into the bottom rope, but Jordan Grace is fighting. So Jazz uniquely grabs her arms and then pulls her throat first into the the bottom rope. Uh, she's helping throwing about. She's throwing about Jordan Grace with suplexes, which I said like given that Jordan Grace is bigger than her, you know that's no mean feat. Yeah, yeah. She gets a version like the glam slam and then transitions into an STF, which is quite cool. And then like she even actually yeah. has a yes it. Jazz even hits a spinning back kick, which I didn't expect. And then it's the point where Jordan Grace hits a spinning back fist and then kind of falls into the cover. Uh, and then there's a point where he said that Jordan Grace gets the win, as it probably should have been, you know, Jazz putting somebody over if she's teasing retirement. Then she goes for, like, the yeah. roll through, and then Grace kind of rolls through it, it gets the roll up, one, two, three. What I didn't like is that, like, she pulls Jazz up, they show respect, but they don't like focus on enough. Like you're, this is a probably pre-taped thing on Impact Plus, but they they have they yeah. show Jazz in that celebrating like for a full ten seconds before they come backstage to a bloody Blake Christian interview. Yeah, his interview was a lot more spunky than his first interview. <laughs> yeah, but uh, basically, overall, Jazz versus Jordan Grace a lot better than I anticipated. Maybe I should have had higher expectations than I did. Because I was certainly impressed maybe by you, it. Maybe you should. Solid match between Morpheus and Jordan Grace. <laughs> and hopefully this is like big, it means big thing for Jordan Grace because he's got this kind of big win over Jazz. And you know there there are people online hyping up as kind of a dream match because like there are some people who have compared Jordan Grace basically being like the modern day kind of version of Jazz and that idea of like the powerhouse in like her division. Yeah. Which is a fair comparison kind of to make, but you know. My two favourite matches in this tournament involved Blake Christian. First there was the match with Casey Navarro, but then this match with yeah. Ace Austin, like, 
I couldn't make notes fast enough during the match. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've, made, I've missed out something major when making my notes, but like so much happened in this match. I don't think I don't think you could have missed much. Both of them are speedy as fuck, agile as fuck. Both of them are hitting major spots. Yeah, you know, Fulton gets once again like the Rich Swan uh, Chris Bay match. You weren't sure who the fuck was going to win that shit. And then, in my opinion, that's just my opinion. I was I was not unhappy, but surprised with who actually did win it. Mm, I think it makes sense that like they'd have like the result that they did, but like. Bolton gets sent to the back by his Austin. He's Austin wants like no doubts in his victory. He wants to do it all by himself so he can say that he yeah he wants to prove what he can do it yeah uh, they do also as soon as they had gloves on earlier but Blake Christian didn't so there was no protecting Blake Christian from that card between the fingers yeah but although Blake Christian didn't like sell it for long he got right back up and hit a hurricane runner so he was fine yeah uh, East Austin. Like moved out of the way when when uh, Blake Christian went for a minstrel on the outside, he landed on his feet, but then got sent right into the the guardrail. Uh, he tried to send Blake Christian in the steps, but he jumped over them and then dove back over the steps into kind of a sent on on a a Austin fluid as like most of these moves are. Yeah. And then Ace Austin hit his own like cool spot where like he was on the apron. Uh, Blake Christian tried to grab his leg, and then Blake uh, Ace Austin basically cartwheeled over. And then hit a super kick off the apron. That was bitching. Hmm. Uh, he went for that thing where he does the like leap, leaps off the ropes and then hits a spin kick, but uh, Blake Christian avoids it. And then he does this thing. He didn't increase his defense. I forgot to mention it, but he did it here as well. Where yeah. he does this thing where he does a kind of a roll through, and then leaps up, and then does it hits a, like a standing frog splash. Yeah, it's a really cool one. Uh, he also gets caught in the ropes and then he gets a double, uh, Blake Christian gets a double stomp. Uh, he, he tries to hit that 450 spot, but then uh, he tries to hit that 450 spot they beat Crazy Steve with, but he lost the moves and then hits, then hits his spinning kick, but it's still not enough. Uh, Blake Christian finally does hit the moonsault on the outside, and then he does he does it again later on, but this time he, he, he holds on to him after he hits the moonsault and then hits give a, a version of a netbreaker on the ramp. Yeah. Uh, but East Austin looks like he's finally gotten where he wants him. He goes for the fold, and then this is the moment that, like, I was kind of—I don't want to say falling asleep, but like, I hadn't got a lot of sleep last night, and so, like, even though I was enjoying this match, I was feeling myself fading. Even though I was enjoying like the match, and this is the spot that woke me up. Right, East Austin goes for the fold, and then Blake Christian counters it into a small package for a very close two. Yeah, that spot that woke me back up again. You're like, what the fuck? That was cool. My eyes were kind of <laughs> fading, and then like, oof, wide open, like, oh god, like, because like, even though he's newer to Impact, I also thought like that's how they could have done it. Like, Blake Christian shocks the world and wins the Super X Cup. Yeah, but that would have been cool. You know, but the the actual finish, like, there were some very cool, yeah, roll up attempts, like very unique ones. I can't really properly describe them to you. You need to go watch this match uh, in order to like. In order to really get the gravity of how cool it looked, but I loved this finish because they had a thing where they both had each other's hold each other's arms. They're trying to do like monkey flips, and then when he's suddenly like leaps his way up, he hits a version of the fold kind of out of nowhere again, another unique version of that move, and he's Austin yeah. wins the Super X Cup, which in the end I think is probably the right decision. He he wins the Super X Cup, and Scott the more come out. 
Mm-hmm. Has his bar man behind him. <laughs> yeah, that's just gonna be a new thing with you, isn't it? Yeah, barman Fulton. Honestly, I think like this is gonna be a, a hell of a sh- it was a hell of a showing from Blake Christian even without winning it, and I hope he I hope he signs an actual contract with Impact. Oh, he he will, you know. Yeah, fingers he crossed, will. he will. Right. So after that's the the final the Super Cup. I would have loved that main event if I can see why it didn't. And like during the the end of year thing, one of the first matches they showed like highlights of is uh, that match from Hard to Kill last year between Ace Austin and Trey Miguel. And it was one of the things that reminded you like just how much you miss a crowd at an Impact show. And I'm just it's sad. Oh, I feel bad for Ace Austin and Bleak Christian. They didn't have a crowd to be chanting like holy shit. And this is awesome during some of the really cool spots that they pulled out. See. Half the time I'm going, ah, oh, I miss the crowd, but other times I'm going, the crowd isn't here to ruin this. Yeah, there's that, like... You know, because, like, I was I was noticing that with some of the impact I watched, I think it was. I think it may have been... Ah, oh, well, if we get to it and it is part of Genesis, I will remember. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we have the main event, the I Quit match, it was Moose taking on Willie Mack. Uh, also, this has been building for a while where Moose injured Willie Mack yeah. and Willie Mack basically challenged him and Mack like you beat me but I well, didn't you know, you know what Willie Mack was saying he was like well I'm not going to have anybody tell me when I can't go anymore you come out I'll decide when I can't go I'm going to fucking take it to you yeah like he, well, he'd lost the match before because the referee's always like no I say when I can't go and yeah. so he challenges and him to a quick match before the match Rich Swan comes to him when he's prepping and shit, and he's like, "Look, man, you got this, brother. I'm, I'm got your back, you know." And you know, so this match did a lot for me in terms of like, and I feel bad again for saying this. Since he lost the X Vision title, I wasn't entirely sure if I even liked Willie Mack. Yeah, because like, some of his matches hadn't been the best. Like his matches were real heat at Victory Road, that kind of sucked. And like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the best part of the uh, the that big six way match at Benfield Glory, and then the thing with Moose, like it was just a case of, even though uh, William Max whole thing is I'm not being used as someone's stepping stone, he kind of you could tell he kind of was being used as that, and yeah, because to be honest with you, if I had to pick between Moose and Willie Mag, Moose was always going to fucking destroy him. Yeah, but then what happened? This match may have saved my opinion about William Max because this is a hell of a match and. What, oh, what? it really is. What's your opinion of it? Just how much, how much guts the guy's got, you know. What's your opinion of like the I Quit match kind of stipulation in general? Are you a fan of them or? I, when they're properly done, I, I really like an I Quit match, you know. Like mm. when when the when the tension is built properly, and by the time like you're maybe quarter or halfway through the match or something, you're kind of like, you know, whoever you're pulling for, you're like, you're really behind them. Mm-hmm. I quit matches can be a real a real tense situation if they're done properly, mm-hmm. you know. Because like other, on the other side of that car, the times they can just be boring as fuck. But if we're done properly, it could be one of the best matches on the card. Yeah, it depends how they handle it, who's involved in it. Because like some of the last man standing matches, I don't like it when the referee, you know, like the last man standing match, like counts too early, or in this match, in a match like this, like ask them too early. After like a boot to the face if they quit or not because like it's just too early you should wait to a certain point before they start shit like that yeah. and but none, none of that shit really happened in this match you know and I remember like at first I was annoyed like because like Willie Mack takes control to start off with Moose 
when he's asked if he wants to quit, because he looks kind of look at the referee as if he's insulted that you would ask him that. Like I'll never yeah, quit. Moose attacks him like two or three times before the bell actually rings, you know. And then like you've got like Willie Mack, uh, he's in control, but then he misses a kick in the corner, and then that's Moose's opportunity. Moose takes over, and like he's not doing that, but he's going after the midsection of Willie Mack and. Like Willie Max saying, like, hell no, I'm not quitting. I'm wondering, like, why is he keeping making him ask if he's quit? Because then after this point, Willie Moose then refuses to let the referee ask him. And I think, in a way... Yeah, Moose, Moose, takes, the, Moose takes control of the match and just starts brutalising Willie Mack. And he's like, don't even fucking ask him. I'm, I'm going to hurt this guy. Like you see the referee goes to do it and he's like, don't you even think about it. I'm not done with yeah, him yet. Don't you even think about putting that mic near him. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to teach us kind of lesson. And I think and bef- he, he proceeds to he brutalizes Willie Mack for a good portion of the match. You know what I mean? And like the way he was beating him before, and the referee was asking. Him, I think in a way it was like you know he wasn't doing anything. It was a case of like, well, he gave Willie Mack an out because of like quit now before this gets a lot worse, and you didn't quit. Yeah. So now I'm not even letting you get have the option. I'm just going to beat you down until I say the referee can ask you. Yeah. And then he hit the ball where he basically sent him right over the uh, the guardrail and he smashed right hard in the concrete and you could hear, like, there's no way to fake that. He was in legit pain. And you could hear yeah, him, like, groaning in that pain. Was, that's one of the ones when you see it and you go, you know, sucking through with teeth, kind of. You're like, oh, hmm. man. Eventually, like, Mac yeah, starts fighting back. He hits two, like, six-star frog splashes. Like one in the front, one in the yeah. back, and like Mrs. kind of like really struggling to breathe, but he yeah. still like says no. The one he hits on his back, mm-hmm. I thought that was another one where I was like, oh, you know, because when he, you think the weight of Willie Max splashing down on your spine. Mm-hmm. You got some some chairs. I've got, got him up the window here. Mm-hmm. You got some chairs getting involved. Uh, Oh, Matt goes for a third one. He also gets called the six star frog bash, and then see the third one. George Matthew goes, This would technically be 18 stars that he's going for here. Uh, and then eventually, yeah. but Moose manages to get off because he takes too long. And then on the outside, Moose, it's a spine buster through the table, off the apron, through the table. Well, Matt, not all yeah. of them goes to the table, but he does manage that. Back, he said, does hit off the, the ramp. And, uh, I was going, do you know, I was going, that's the very fucking point I was going to mention in, in great detail, so if you'll bear with me. Go ahead, go ahead. But, um, in the bit leading up to that spot, right, myself and Brian were watching it, and, you know, we were debating, we were like, how's this going to go, because it could go either way, you know, like, Willie Mack was on the, ap- on the turnbuckle, Moose was on the apron, you know, and we were like, we were like, well, Willie Mack could toss him off the turnbuckle through the table, that could be what happens, you know. Uh, well, Moose could toss him off the turnbuckle, or Willie Mack could like keep hitting him and he could do that typical thing where he falls back into it, you mm-hmm. know. But when it eventually happened, and I watched it, and I watched the replay in the match, it looked like Willie Mack took a real dunt to his noggin, you know. Mm-hmm. Because he, he went through the table and then he went, but He'd off with he'd off the deck, you know, and he looked legit, kind of messed up for a wee minute. And what we were talking about earlier, the lack of crowds. Mm-hmm. If a crowd had been there, it would have it would have drained the tension for that particular time period in the match, in my opinion, because the lack of crowd and the dead silence and watching Willie Mack kind of looking like he was fucked, mm-hmm. and 
I mean, some of the some of the chat here between the two, like the start, the start where he tells the referee not to ask him, you would you heard that more clearly than you would have if a crowd had been there, and yeah, yeah, and like that. But it was, it was just there was such a high tension match between the two of them, you know. There was a something I didn't think was may happen was that that there was a big cut on Willie Maxwell, which I think he got from going to the table. Because like the, the yeah, spot where they're yeah. both down, the referee's got your gloves on. They're coming. Like we can't quite see somebody's bleeding. We don't know what's happened. But I think it maybe well. Yeah. As well, he's getting rolls over. You can see a big cut on his elbow, and he's kind of his arm see, is that, shaking. That worried me as well. Like see when Willie was lying there, looking like he was unconscious, mm-hmm. and the ref had his gloves on. I was like, ah oh, shit, the ref's got his gloves on. This is a bad situation. Willie's hot. Mm-hmm. You know, and and see until he started fighting back when they eventually get back into the ring. Mm-hmm. Even then, I was like, "Is he? Is he all right?" You know, like it, it really, it really heightened the tension of the match. It made it so edge of your seat kind of situation. You know, mm-hmm. like he's, he's properly shaking. He gets back in eventually. Like Mrs. Kind of laughed at it. I mean, they both like exchanging punches, kicks. Uh, Willie manages to hit the stunner. Moose springs off the ropes and comes back and fucking heat butts him. Like a really yeah. solid sound here, but at one point Willie Mack mentions the mount, uh, get the mount on him, and starts basically raining in the punches the same way that, same way that Moose did to him in the past. So you know, kind of yeah, getting some yeah. revenge in that. There was a really sickening looking like suplex on a bunch of chairs, and also like Moose again was sickening a lot, really sickening in like through the teeth, like struggling to breathe. But like, even when though he was hurt, he kept saying to the referee like, "Get that, get that, get that goddamn mic out my face," or just shoving off like, "No." Like, there's still no yeah. way I'm doing it. And, like, there's a bit where they're fighting on the outside, and he says, like, do you quit? And he grabs the mic and goes, you're going to have to kill me. And uh, eventually he hits him with the TNA title belt. And then the finish of this, I thought, was class. Because going in, you think, Moose is definitely going to win, but how is he going to do it? And then he wraps the chair around Willie's neck and goes, like, you had your chance to quit. Now I'm going to end your career. I'm going to end your career. He grabs the chair, he's going to hit him with the... That chair that's running his neck with this other chair, and then Swan comes out. You think Swan is he going to say I caught on his behalf or something like that? And then he's like, "Like what the hell are you doing? You're going too far. What are you doing?" And uh, also he knows he's trying to send a message to Swan. Uh, he says to him, like, "Look at the title belt. He's got like, what is this? What you want? Is it, you want a title shot? Like, I'll give you a title shot. Just please leave him alone." And then Moose grabs him and goes, "Thank you. I quit." And Willie Mack like wins the match because Moose got what he wanted. Even though Matt, Willie Mack doesn't really look like a winner, Moose has kind of planned along with to get Rich Swan's attention, and now he's See, got I, it. I, I think this opens up so many avenues, though, mm-hmm. because Moose has got his title shot. But what the hell did Willie Mack say before this match? Nobody's going to tell me when I can quit, mm-hmm. right? And I said this to Brian, and he disagreed with me slightly on this. I think this could lead to some kind of tension between him and Rich Swan. I think we discussed the possibility Definitely, before. You know, because Rich Swan came out and basically threw the towel in for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in my opinion, for the last month or so, Billy Mack has kind of been in Rich Swan's shadow. Uh-huh. Like, before Rich Swan went into this sort of singles title picture, it looked like him and Willie Mack could be in tag picture. They were really solid, they're a good team, mm-hmm. you know? And now Willie's kind of left by the wayside, and he's got, he's, 
basically, like, I think the way Willie's character's being portrayed, he's going to be like, I'm not having you fighting my fucking battles for me, or telling me when I can't quit. I think it could lead to proper tension between them as a friendship, you know? Yeah, definitely. We, we talked about it in the past, and I think now we've seen the storyline play out a lot of it. It's looking even more possible. And, like, you look back a year ago, like, the night before Hard to Kill last year, Rich Swan suffered his initial, like, injury, and their planned, like, match against the Norcott turned into a handicap match where Willie Mack had to fight on his own. And now a year later, yeah. Hard to Kill, which one's in the main event as the world champion, and Wally's not even got on the card, so that's going to probably play a part in this as well. And the fact that Moose... I, I, would, I, would, I would definitely think so. I agree with you on that one. I was going to say, now that, now that Moose has been added to the match, not only because he's a big enough star, but the fact now that he and Swan are like basically on a collision course now, eventually they will face off for the world title. There's a chance mm. that Moose's like, ego, and like he's not thinking about Impact versus AEW or what Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers have done to like, disrespect Impact. He, all he cares about is Swan and the title, so I think eventually he'll selfishly cost to see in the match. And just because he like care, all he cares about is being the champion. Yeah. So you think it could lead to a heel turn by Swan? No, I'm talking about Miss. Oh, Miss. Yeah, Miss. Right, Miss right. like all Miss cares about getting the title shot. So he'll cost. He'll end up basically attacking Swan maybe at some point when it looks like Swan actually might get like the win for his team. But Miss will cost him. Like I don't care about AEW or Kenny Omega. I care about that title you got runs your shoulder, and it I yeah. it should be mine. Well, I mean, a lot, I agree with a lot of people in regards to Impact that are saying that Moose should really be the champion, you know, because that guy is something else, mm-hmm. you know? And Moose is in a hell of a role. I don't even know, like, once he wins the title and he, he will beat someone for the belt, it's a whole of a case of, like, he could run run with that belt for, like, a year as a dominant champion because I don't know who you have to take it off him. Yeah, yeah, I don't see it. I mean... Maybe if Shamrock was twenty years younger, mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, you talk about like Kenny Omega. He, I think he eventually Kenny Omega will try and eat worm, worm his way into a world title shots. But as I said before, I think um, a match between Moose and Kenny Omega leaves the door open a lot more than Swan versus Kenny Omega. Because Swan, I don't think would have a chance in a singles match against Kenny Omega. Sadly. What about a triple threat? See, that's likely because also. If they don't want Kenny Omega to win, but also given that he's the champ, world champ of another company, he doesn't have to take the pin. So that that could be interesting. A, tr- a triple threat for both titles with most wins. Hmm. There's yeah, one for you. Because like you got you have a a segment between Swan and Rich Swan and Kenny Omega talking about like whose world title means more, but then it comes Miss with the title like he easily gave himself, and then try to claim that his title means more than either of their titles. Oh, that'd be a very interesting concept having all three belts on the line in one match. Yeah, I doubt they would do it, but it would be interesting. I mean, whoever would win that match should be fucking money, man, you know? But as we said, like, tonight, as we're, as you're listening to this, hopefully, if you're listening to the date goes out, it's hard to kill. And, like, they've got a hell of a card lined up. You've got, also the main event, six man tag. Deonna Perazzo versus Taya Valkyrie. Havoc in the BFE Test Steals and Kier Hogan for the Nuggets tag titles. The triple threat for the X Division title. Uh, you got uh, Ethan Page versus Karate Man, Josh Alexander versus Brian Myers. The old school trip rules triple threat uh, six man tag match. Sorry, of Tommy Dreamer, Cousin Jake, and Rhino versus Dino, Joe Doring, and Eric Young. 
I think that's everything. I hope I haven't left anything off. But like, it looks like a stellar card. Oh, oh actually, no, there's, a, there's a mixed tag match. I forgot to mention. Uh, you oh, got, yeah. got Eddie Edwards and uh, Sam McAllen. Also, you got a mixed tag. Uh, Rosemary and Crazy Steve have reunited, and they're going to take on Daniel Dashwood and Caleb with a K. At Hard to Kill. Uh, we're going to be. With a K. I'm thinking, Paul, next week we hold off an impact for a week. Next week, next week, I think we should go back to Fraser, and then the following week we talk about this week's episode impact, Hard to Kill, and then the couple of weeks following it to see where what the fallout is going to be from Hard to Kill. Do you do you believe by the time we get to the end of Hard to Kill again, we'll be like, oh my god? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, I think. I don't want to do two sure. episodes. Um, I don't want to do two episodes and make an impact on Raw. I want to leave like a week space in between, because hopefully by like two weeks' time, not only will Hard to Kill have been a good show, but hopefully in the weeks of all, we have an idea of where the company's going and we know what the next special is going to be. Well, you do remember we we do have Fraser plus we have where a new Gaff and from the vault. You know. Well, yeah, I was going to. Do, I was going to do. I say we do Fraser next week. The following week we'll do. Making an impact, episode five, talking about Hardy Kill and what else is going on, and then a week after that, then we can go on to In Your Gift Six, because then once we get down Your Gift Six, we can then do that from the Vault episode about WrestleMania 12 we've been planning on doing. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got, we got, got like, the next. And even far. We can see there, we've got the next month of shows that planned out. We are solid. Yeah, we asked for being organised, eh? But Hell yeah. Yeah, so that was a two, two, just over two hours at least of talking about everything. I'm sorry I left uh, it so long for the episode that we had so much to talk about, but basically the summary was that for other than the last two matches, Final Resolution was kind of a meh ending to the year, but Genesis yeah. started off the year hot, and we can't wait to see what happens hard to kill, even though I'm sad that Shelley's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final Resolution was maybe a two and a half to a three star pay-per-view. I'd, I'd say two and a half, maybe, at best. Sadly. Jesus was at least a fourth star. At least, man. That shit was shit hot. Yeah, because, like, and, well, other than the Willie Mac Miss thing, I think it was kind of being kept separate from everything else, you know, with the Jazz or yeah. Grace match, cause, and then the, the, ex- like, the Super X tournament kid. Sorry, you were saying what? Uh, sorry, it was, it was basically leaning towards like, the X division, the Cruiserweight division. Yeah, and then... And- Day guys put on a show, man. I think the Moose Molly Mac thing is the main thing that has a lot more, the most build towards an actual, whereas everything else is kind of its own separate thing, you know. Some, uh, the final wrap up of the Jazz during Grace story, that, and I think the Ace Austin will then leap back into contendership post Hard to Kill uh, as like the next challenger for, I'll assume Manic is probably going to retain the title, but so uh, East Austin versus Manic should be a cool match. Well, if Manning does retain the title, it will be loud, but if he loses it, he'll lose it to Chris Bay. There you go, but again, Chris Bay versus the Sauce, and that would be cool as well. Yeah, I, I know I know, I like fucking Rohit in that, I think he's cool, but I don't think he's going to win it. If, anybody, if it changes hands, it's going to Chris Bay. Yeah, definitely, but uh, I don't want to predict too much of what's going to happen at Hard to Kill, because obviously given this is going at the day of it, then I don't want to say something that becomes outdated or seems like doesn't age well too quickly, but I'll just say, like... Because I'm, I'm a little more gung-ho than you, <laughs> you know? Not braver by any means, but definitely more gung-ho. Oh, definitely, more yeah. Rude. 
Taya's going to win. Sammy's going to kick that bitch's ass. Fucking, and the rest will be cool too. <laughs> I was going to say, like, it'll definitely be a variety of on shows. You've got the X Division kind of work into a cruiserweight style. You've got a very bloody, what I imagine will be a very bloody match, that higher barbed wire match. You've got that big six-man tie that feels like a big main event. You've got plenty yeah. of like representation with the women. You've got like three matches involving women, a mixed tag, a match for the newly reinstated tag titles, and the main title being defended. So it's going to be bitching. Yeah, I, I hope that this like because I was kind of disappointed with Ben Glory overall compared to Slammiversary because Slammiversary last year was cool. But I hope. Oh, and it was. I hope like Ben uh, Hardy Kill like from the offset sets like a standard for like being one of the best shows of the year, not just an impact, but just in general of wrestling. Well, I, I agree with you on that one, because, I mean, you know fine well now I am pretty much an impact guy, right? Of course. I, I am, like, sort of 85 to 90% an impact guy. Mm-hmm. The rest of the percentage is on The Fiend. <laughs> or Drew, you know? Yeah. And might add in, I hope Drew gets well soon. Yeah, I think if he does his old two-week like, isolation and then gets the all clear, he will still be able to make the the Royal Rumble. That'll be good. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. You know. So, you know, and best of wish to, to him and everything. I'm, pu- I'm pulling for Drew, I'm pulling for The Fiend, I'm pulling for Alexa Bliss. Because <laughs> that chick is psycho, man. <laughs> <laughs> but also, we've been here for over two and a bit hours. Uh, I enjoyed talking about Impact, but I've run out of things to talk about, so I'll just say to everybody uh, to make sure you follow along with us uh, at social media at SP Rambling on Twitter. Follow me at ScottMcLeod1996 and follow like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Rambling Podcast. Get all the information about our shows uh, coming up there and like where they get released. Uh, occasionally live tweet shows. Uh, also, go back in our back catalogue on Go back in our back catalogue on all good Android podcasting sites, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, all of them, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, give us a re-rating or review on there, on your platform of choice. Check out our yeah, past okay. episodes relating to Frasier, Impact, and our past In Your House episodes. And uh, now that we've laid out what we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks, I'm very looking forward to it. And I'm also excited for Hardy Kill because I'm hoping, like, there are a few new fans that Impact got from Slammiverse, but not everybody stuck around. So I'm hoping they get another go of it with like because oh. I know some people who I know people who don't really watch Impact that are going to be tuning in to Article because of Kenny Omega, but hopefully they they stick around. I hope so too. And as Scott says, you know, get us on Twitter and all the other fantastic fucking platforms. You want to talk on our Facebook page? Hell, you want to talk to me? Fucking message me. I'll talk to you about our show. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm I'm more than happy to wax lyrical about our fantastic show. <laughs> as long as their people are saying complimentary things, is that right? Well, if we're saying complimentary things, bitching. If we're saying less than complimentary things, I'll find a nice and pleasant way to bring them round. Fair enough, but until next time. Hey, listen to us. We're cool. But you know, until next day, and that's been Paul. I've been Scott. That's been Scott, and I've been Paul. And uh, we'll just talk to you next time and enjoy Hard to Kill. Hell yeah.